the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It was a big day yesterday, an incredible day. And last night, the Republican Party defied history to expand our Senate majority while significantly beating expectations in the House for the midterm and midterm year. We did this in spite of a very dramatic fundraising disadvantage driven by Democrats, wealthy donors, and special interests, and a very hostile media coverage, to put it mildly. The media coverage set a new record and a new standard. We also had a staggering number of House retirements, so it's a little tough. Uh, these are seats that could have been held pretty easily, and uh, we had newcomers going in, and a lot of them worked very hard, but it's very difficult when you have that many retirements. We held a large number of campaign rallies with uh, large, large numbers of people going to everyone. To the best of my knowledge, we didn't have a vacant or an empty seat. I'm sure you would have reported it if you spotted one, including 30 rallies in the last 60 days. And we saw the candidates that I supported achieve tremendous success last night. As an example of the 11 candidates we campaigned with during the last week, nine won last night. This vigorous campaigning stopped the blue wave that they talked about. I don't know if there ever was such a thing, but could have been. If we didn't do the campaigning, probably there could have been. And the history really will see what a good job we did in the final couple of weeks in terms of getting some tremendous people over the finish line. They really are tremendous people, but many of them were not known, but they will be known. This election marks the largest Senate gains for a president's party in a first midterm election since at least President Kennedy's in 1962. There have been only four midterm elections since 1934 in which a president's party has gained even a single Senate seat. As of now, we picked up, it looks like three. Could be four. Perhaps it could be two. But we picked up a lot. Three, you people probably know that better than I do at this point because you've looked at the more recent numbers. Fifty-five is the largest number of Republican senators in the last 100 years. In the last 80 years, a sitting president's party has only gained a cumulative total of eight Senate seats, averaging one per decade. So if we picked up two, three, or four, that's a big percentage of that number. So in the last 80 years, you think of that, only eight seats. In President Obama's first midterm election, he lost six Senate seats, including in the deep blue state of Massachusetts. Republicans captured 
at least four Senate seats held by Democrat incumbents. And these are tremendously talented, hardworking people that did this. Indiana, North Dakota, Florida, Missouri. We also won two open Senate seats in Tennessee. I want to congratulate our great champion who did such a great job in Tennessee, Marsha. And in Utah. And Arizona is looking very good. Really very good. She's done a terrific job. That was a tough race, and she's done a fantastic job. In each of these open seats, Democrats recruited very strong candidates with substantial fundraising and media support. We were getting bombarded with money on the other side. In the House, Republicans dramatically outperformed historical precedents and overcame a historic number of retirements. The most House Republican retirements in 88 years, 43 House Republicans retired. Now, I, I will say this, that in many cases they were chairman of committees, and they left because they weren't chairman, because the Republicans have a role for six years. And what that does is wonderful in one way. It lets people come through the system and become chairman. In another way, it drives people out. Because when they're a chairman, they don't want to go and not be a chairman. You're the chairman of a committee, and you're a big deal. And all of a sudden, you're not doing that anymore. So they leave. We had a lot of them leave. It's, uh, I guess you can flip a coin as to which system is better. The Democrats do the other. Some of their folks have been in those committees for a long time as chairman. In 2010, President Obama's first midterm, he lost 63 seats. By contrast, as of the most current count, looks like around 27 House seats or something. And we'll figure that out pretty soon. We also had a slew of historic wins in the governor's races. The governor's races were incredible. Against very well-funded, talented, and skilled Democrat candidates and people that worked very, very hard, respectfully, for those candidates, like Oprah Winfrey, who I like. I don't know if she likes me anymore, but that's okay. She used to. But she worked very hard in Georgia, very, very hard. And if you look at them, with four governor's races crucial to 2020 and the presidential race, Florida, Iowa, Ohio, and Georgia, the big ones, Florida, Iowa, Ohio, and Georgia. Can't get much more important than that. They were incredible. They were actually incredible campaigns, too. Incredible. As of right now, Republicans will control the majority of governorships across the country, including three great women who worked very hard, governors of Alabama, South Dakota, and Iowa. They worked very, very hard. They're very talented. By expanding our Senate majority, the voters have also clearly rebuked the Senate Democrats for their handling of the Kavanaugh hearings. That was a factor, I think maybe a very big factor, the way that was handled, I think, was uh, tremendous energy was given to the Republican Party by the way they treated then-Judge Kavanaugh, now Justice Kavanaugh and expressed their support for confirming more great 
pro-Constitution judges, candidates who embraced our message of low taxes, low regulations, low crime, strong borders, and great judges excelled last night. They excelled. They, uh, they really, I mean, we have a, a list of, of people that were fantastic. Uh, and I'm just going to point them out. Uh, Mike Bost, Rodney Davis, Andy Barr was fantastic. I went to Kentucky. For the most part, I didn't campaign for the House, but I did actually make a special trip for Andy Barr because he was in a very tough race in Kentucky, and he won. That was a very tough race. The polls were all showing that he was down, and down substantially, and he won. And that one I did do, Pete Stauber of Minnesota, great guy, he's new, and ran a fantastic race. On the other hand, you had some that decided to, let's stay away, let's stay away. They did very poorly. I'm not sure that I should be happy or sad, but I feel just fine about it. Carlos Cubella, Mike Kaufman, too bad, Mike. Mia Love. I saw Mia Love. She'd call me all the time to help her with a hostage situation. Being held hostage in Venezuela. Uh, but Mia Love gave me no love. And she lost. Too bad. Sorry about that, Mia. And Barbara Comstock was another one. I mean, I think she could have won that race, but she didn't want to have any embrace. For that, I don't blame her. But she, um, she lost, substantially lost. Uh, Peter Roskam didn't want the embrace. Eric Paulson didn't want the embrace. And in New Jersey, I think he could have done well, but it didn't work out too good. Bob Eugen, I feel badly because I think that's something that could have been won. That's a race that could have been won. John Faso, those are some of the people that, you know, decided for their own reason not to embrace uh, whether it's me or what we stand for. But what we stand for uh, meant a lot to most people. And we've had tremendous support and tremendous support in the Republican Party among the biggest support in the history of the party. I've actually heard at 93% it's a record, but I won't say that because who knows. But we've had tremendous support. Uh, America is booming like never before. We're doing fantastic. We have Larry Kudlow here, and he said the numbers are as good as he's ever seen numbers at any time for our country. But he's a young man, so he hasn't seen that many numbers. Where's Larry? You're a young man, right, Larry? And you haven't been doing this too long, but they're as good as you've ever seen. And uh, we may have, if you have a question for Larry, we'll do that. But I want to send my warmest appreciation and regards to Majority Leader Mitch McConnell. We really worked very well together. We have been working very well together. We actually have a great relationship. People just don't understand that, which is fine. And also to uh, perhaps, looks like, I would think, Speaker Nancy Pelosi. And I give her a lot of credit. She works very hard, and she's worked long and hard 
I give her a great deal of credit for what she's done and what she's accomplished. Hopefully, we can all work together next year to continue delivering for the American people, including on economic growth, infrastructure, trade, lowering the cost of prescription drugs. These are some of the things that the Democrats do want to work on, and I really believe we'll be able to do that. I think we're going to have a lot, lot of. Uh, a lot of reason to do it. And I will say, just as a matter of business, I was with some very successful people last night. We were watching the returns. So if the Republicans won, and let's say we held on by two, or one, or three, it would have been very hard out of that many Republicans to ever even get support among Republicans, because there'll always be one or two or three people that for good reason or for bad reason or for grandstanding, we have that too. You've seen that. You've seen that. Plenty of grandstanding. But for certain reasons, that many people, you're always going to have a couple that won't do it. So that puts us in a very bad position. In other words, had we kept, and this is no, I'm saying this for a very basic reason, it's common sense. It puts us in a very tough position. We win by one or two or three, and you'll have one or two or three or four or five even come over and say, you know, look, we're not going to go along with this. We want this, 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 and all of a sudden, we, we can't even, we wouldn't even be able to get it in many cases out of the Republicans' hands before we sent it on to the Senate. And now we have a much easier path because the Democrats will come to us with a plan for infrastructure, a plan for health care, a plan for whatever they are looking at. And we'll negotiate. And as you know, it's been very hard in the Senate because we need essentially 10 votes from Democrats, and we don't get those votes because the Democrats do really stick together well. I don't agree with them on a lot of policy, but I agree with them on sticking together. They stick together great. So now we go into the Senate. We don't have the 10 votes. And what happens? It doesn't get passed. Even if it gets out of the House, it doesn't get passed. So under the new concept of what we're doing, I say, come on, let me see what you have. They want to do things. You know, I keep hearing about uh, investigations, fatigue. Like from the time, almost from the time I announced I was going to run, they've been giving us this uh, investigation fatigue. It's been a long time. They got nothing, zero. You know why? Because there is nothing. But they can play that game, but we can play it better. Because we have a thing called the United States Senate. And a lot of very questionable things were done between leaks of classified information and many other elements that should not have taken place. And all you're going to do is end up in back and forth and back and forth and two years is going to go up and we won't have done a thing. I really think, and I really respected what Nancy said last night about bipartisanship and getting together and uniting. She used the word uniting, and she used the, the bipartisanship statement, which is so important, because that's what we should be doing. So we can uh, look at us, they can look at us, now we can look at them, and it'll go back and forth, and it'll probably be very good for me politically. I could see it being extremely good politically, because I think I'm better at that game than they are, actually. But uh, we'll find out. I mean, you know, we'll find out. Or we can work together. You can't do them simultaneously, by the way, just because somebody says, oh, you can do them both. No, you can't. Because if they're doing that, we're not doing the other, just so you understand. 
So we won't be doing that. But now what happens is we send it to the Senate, and we'll get 100 percent Democrat support, and we'll get some Republican support. And if it's good, I really believe we have Republicans that will help with the approval process, and they will really help with the approval process. So it really could be a beautiful bipartisan type of situation. If we won by one or two or three or four or five, that wouldn't happen. And the closer it is, the worse it is. This way, they'll come to me, we'll negotiate, maybe we'll make a deal, maybe we won't. That's possible. But we have a lot of things in common on infrastructure. We want to do something on health care. They want to do something on health care. There are a lot of great things that we can do together. And now we'll send it up, and we will really get, we'll get the Democrats, and we'll get the Republicans or some of the Republicans. And I'll make sure that we send something up that the Republicans can support. And they're going to want to make sure they send something up that the Democrats can support. So our great country is booming like never before, and we're thriving on every single level, both in terms of economic and military strength, in terms of development, in terms of GDP, we're doing unbelievably. I will tell you our trade deals are coming along fantastically. The USMCA and uh, South Korea is finished. Uh, USMCA has gotten rave reviews. We're not going to lose companies anymore to other countries. They're not going to do that because they have a tremendous economic incentive, it's, meaning it's prohibitive for them to do that. So it's not going to be like NAFTA, which is one of the worst deals I've ever seen, although we've made some other pretty bad ones too. Now is the time for members of both parties to join together, put partisanship aside, and keep the American economic miracle going strong. It is a miracle. We're doing so well. And I've said it at a lot of rallies. Some of you have probably heard it so much you don't want to hear it again. But when people come to my office, presidents, prime ministers, they all congratulate me almost the first thing on what we've done economically. Because it is really amazing. And our steel industry is back. Our aluminum industry is starting to do really well. These are industries that were dead. Our miners are working again. We must all work together to protect our military. We have to do that. To support our law enforcement, secure our borders, and advance really great policy, including environmental policy. We want crystal, clean water. We want beautiful, perfect air. Air and water has to be perfect. At the same time, we don't want to put ourselves at a disadvantage to other countries who are very competitive with us and who don't abide by the rules at all. We don't want to hurt our jobs. We don't want to hurt our factories. We don't want companies leaving. We want to be totally competitive, and we are. And right now we have just about the cleanest air, the cleanest water we've ever had, and it's always going to be that way. We insist on it. So environmental is very important to me. And with that, I'll take a few questions if you'd like. Whoa! I didn't know what happened. All right, go ahead, John. That was a lot of hand shooting up so quickly. There's a lot to talk about. Mr. President, you talked at length just now about bipartisanship. Uh, the presumed Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, talked about it last night. I'm sure that's encouraging for the American people. But do you really believe given what the relationship has been like between this White House and the Democratic Party, that that will happen. 
Will, I, I will, think there's a good chance, Jack. I think there's a very good chance if I could just finish it sir, will happen. Will you have to compromise on certain issues to the point where it could hurt you in 2020? And do you expect that when the Democrats take over the chairmanship of all these important committees, you're going to get hit with a blizzard of subpoenas on everything from the well, Russian investigation okay. to your cell phone use to your tax returns? Ready? Then you're going to, if that happens, then we're going to do the same thing, and government comes to a halt. And I would blame them, because they now are going to be uh, coming up with policy. They're the majority in the House. I expect uh, that they will come up with some fantastic ideas that I can support on the environment, on so many different things, uh, including prescription drug prices, which we've made a big dent in already, including some of the things that we're working on for the vets, we've gotten choice approved, we've got a lot of things approved, but they have some other elements that we want. There are many things we can get along on without a lot of trouble, that we agree very much with them and they agree with us. I would like to see bipartisanship, I'd like to see unity, and I think we have a very good chance of, and maybe not on everything, but I think we have a very good chance of, of seeing that. Go ahead. Uh, one question on the lame duck, sir, and one on your cabinet. You toyed with the idea during the campaign of a shutdown before the midterms in order to secure border wall funding. Are you prepared to go on a shutdown strategy during the lame duck since this might be your last best chance? Not necessarily. To secure that? Sense. Look, I speak to Democrats all the time. They agree that a wall is necessary. A wall is necessary. And as you know, we're building the wall. We've started. But we should build it at one time, not in chunks. But you want much more money, and you want no, much sooner. No, we need the money to build the wall, the whole wall, not pieces of it all over. And we are doing it. Now we have the military. Now we have other elements of a wall that are pretty nasty, to be honest with you. But it's nevertheless, it's pretty hard to get through it. But no, I'd like to see the wall. Many of the people that we'll be dealing with, you know, in 2006... They approved the wall, essentially. It was a very strong border fence, but it was the same thing. And they all approved it. They all agreed. I have statements from every one of them. We have them saying we need the wall. I mean, they sound like me. Mm -hmm. But we do need it because we have people coming. And I'm not just talking about the caravans. We have people coming through our border that you physically can't put that many people. It's a 2,000-mile stretch. You can't put that many people along that stretch to guard it. And even if you did... Tremendous fighting would ensue. So uh, we need the wall. Many Democrats know we need the wall. And we're just going to have to see what happens. I mean, I will be fighting for it. Uh, they have done everything in their power to make sure. We, I got the military $700 billion and $716 billion. The wall is a tiny, tiny fraction of the cost of that. But their whole agenda has been to try not giving me anything for the wall. I really believe politically they're hurting themselves. I actually think politically that's a good thing for me, but I want to get the wall up because we need it. So no shutdown scenario. I don't know. The, I can't tell you mid, that. No, I, I can't duck. commit to that, but it's possible. And can you give us clarity, sir, on your thinking currently, now after the midterms, about your attorney general and your deputy attorney general? Do they have long-term job I'd security? I'd rather or? answer that uh, at a little bit different time. Uh, we're looking at a lot of different things, including cabinet. I'm very happy with most of my cabinet. Uh, we're looking at uh, different people for different positions. You know, it's very common after the midterms. I didn't want to do anything before the midterms. But I will tell you that, for the most part, I'm extremely happy with my cabinet. I think Mike Pompeo has fit in so beautifully. He's done an incredible job. How about your interior secretary? Uh, we're looking at that, and I, want, I do want to study whatever 
is being said. Uh, is he in I think he's doing. I think he's doing an excellent job. But we will take a look at that in a very strong, and we'll probably have an idea about that in about a week. Thank you, Mr. President. Okay, thank you. Well, this is. Go ahead, John. He gave me a fair interview the other day, so I might as well ask him a question. All right. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, and picking up there, you told me the other day that you are an open book. So I think I am an open book. So point blank, Democrats go after your tax returns. Will you try to block that, or will you allow them to have Well, them? look, uh, as I've told you, they're under audit. They have been for a long time. They're extremely complex. People wouldn't understand them. They're done by among the biggest and best law firms in the country. Same thing with the accounting firms. The accountants are a very, very large, powerful firm from the standpoint of uh, respect. The highly respected. Big firm. A, a great law firm. You, would, you know it very well. They do these things. They put them in. But people don't understand tax returns. Now, I did do a filing of over 100 pages, I believe, mm -hmm. which is in the offices. And when people went and saw that filing and they saw the magnitude of it, they were very disappointed, and they saw the, you know, the detail. You'd get far more from that, and I guess we filed that now three times. But you get far more from that than you could ever get from a tax return. But when you're under audit, and I'm on a very continuous audit because there are so many companies, and it is a very big company, far bigger than you would even understand. But it's a, it's a great company, but it's big, and it's complex, and it's uh, probably feet high. It's a very complex uh, instrument, and I think that uh, people wouldn't understand it. But w if I were finished with the audit, I would have an open mind to it. I would say that. But I don't want to do it during the audit. And, and really, no lawyer, even from the other side, they say often, not always, but when you're under audit, you don't have, you don't subject it to that. You get it done, and then you release it. So when that happens, if that happens, I would certainly have an open mind to so, it. So that means if the audit is still on, you will not turn over the tax returns, or you'll when, fight to when block it's under it? Audit, no, nobody would. Nobody turns over a return when it's under audit. Okay? Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, go ahead, please. One, I was tempted to ask you why you like Oprah so much, but I, I think I'll go on to the question that... Uh, why do I like Oprah? <laughs> what kind of a question is it? Yeah, I'm just asking. Just curious. But he's the real a, question... comedian here. The real question I is... I do like Oprah, by the way. I do. She was... Uh, a uh, person I knew well came to my place in Palm Beach often, and I have a lot of respect for her. Unfortunately, she didn't do the trick. The, the real question is, uh, you just sat up here and said that um, from this podium that it's, is, you're, are you offering an my way or highway scenario to the Democrats? You're saying no. that if, if, if they start investigating you, that you oh. can play that game oh. and investigate them. Better than them. Can you, com can you compartmentalize that? And I that? think I know more than they know. Can you compartmentalize that and still continue to work with them for the benefit of the rest of the country? No. Or are, you, are all bets off? No. If they do that, then it's just all it is is uh, a warlike posture. And yeah. so then the, the follow-up... You, you heard my answer. Go well, ahead. Well, since it's Jim, I'll let it go. Okay. Uh, thank you, Mr. President. I, I wanted to challenge you on... on one of the statements that you made in the tail end of the campaign uh, in, in the midterms. That here, this, here we go. That, well, if Let's you don't go. mind, Let's Mr. President, that this caravan was an invasion. As you well, know, I, Mr. President, I consider it to be an as invasion. As you know, Mr. President, the caravan was not an invasion. It's a, it's a, a group of migrants moving up 
from Central America towards the border with the U.S. Thank you for telling and me that. Uh, why, why, did you, why did you characterize it as such? Uh, because I consider it an invasion. You and I have a difference of opinion. But do you think that you demonized immigrants not in this election no, to try to keep... Them, I want them to come into the country, but they have to come in legally. You know, they have to come in, Jim, through a process. I want it to be a process. And I want people to come in, and we need the people. You your campaign... Pay, your campaign... Wait, wait. You know why we need the people, don't you? Because we have hundreds of companies moving in. We need the people. Right. Your campaign had an ad showing migrants climbing over walls and well, so on. Well, that's true. It pour, it, but they it, weren't actors. They're not going to be doing they that. They weren't actors. Well, no, it's true. Do you think they were actors? They weren't actors. They didn't come from Hollywood. Right. These, were, these were people. This was an actual, you know, it happened a few days ago. And, uh, They're hundreds of miles away, though. They're hundreds and hundreds of miles you know away. That, that's I not an invasion. Should, honestly, uh, I think you should let me run the country. You run CNN. Right. And if you did it well, your ratings well, let me would be ask, much if better. I, if I may okay, ask one enough. other question. Mr. President, if I may, if I may uh, ask Peter, one other ahead. question, are you worried? Or, that's enough. That's enough. Mr. President, I, well, that's I was going to ask one of the, the other folks. That's that, enough. Pardon me, ma'am. Excuse me. That's enough. Mr. President, I had one other Peter, question. If I may ask on the Russia investigation, are you concerned that that you may have I'm not concerned about anything with you the Russian investigation because it's a hoax. Are you, That's enough. Put down the mic. Mr. President, are you worried about indictments coming down in this investigation? Mr. President. I tell you what, CNN should be ashamed of itself having you working for them. You are a rude, terrible person. You shouldn't be working for CNN. Go ahead. I, I think that's unfair. You're a very rude person. The way you treat Sarah Huckabee is horrible. And the way you treat other people are horrible. You shouldn't treat people that way. Go ahead. In, in, go in ahead, Jim, Peter. Go in, ahead. In Jim's defense, I've traveled with him and watched him. He's a diligent reporter who busts his Well, I'm not a big fan of yours either, so, I understand. Know, to be honest. So let, me, so let me ask you a question if I can. You repeatedly you said... Are, you are the best. Mr. President, you repeatedly, over the course okay, of... The, just sit down, please. Well, when you, when you report fake news... No. When you report fake news, which CNN does a lot, you are the enemy of the people. Go ahead. Mr. President, over the, course, over the course of the last several days of the campaign, sir, sir, at the end of the campaign, you repeatedly said that Americans need to fear Democrats. You said Democrats would unleash a wave of violent crime that endangers families everywhere. Why are you because pitting very Americans, weak on crime. Why are you pitting Americans Peter, against one another, sir? Peter, what are you trying to be him? No, Peter, I'm just let, me just, let me just tell you. Very simple. Because they're very weak on crime. Because they have often suggested members and people within the Democrat Party at a high level have suggested getting rid of ICE, getting rid of law enforcement. That's not going to happen, okay? We want to be strong on the borders. We want to be strong on law enforcement. And I want to, I want to cherish ICE because ICE does a fantastic job. So the, the, what they do for us is so, really, it's so unrecognized how good a job they do. So we want to take care of them, and we want to hold them very close because they do a good job. But the question, okay, to, be yeah, clear, the, to be clear, though, the question is, why sit, are you... Sit down, but the question, But you didn't answer my question. Just very simply, the question is, why are you pitting Americans against one another, sir? I'm not. Is that how you view no, I'm not. citizens well, of look, this country? I'll tell you what. We won a lot of elections last night. We did very well last night. And but in many ways, I think it's, it's going to country. have. I think it's going to have a very positive impact. Uh, I watched NBC this morning. They didn't report it exactly correctly, but that's you know very very. That's the fact with NBC. Nothing I can do about that. But I want this country to have protection. We want security in our country. I want security, Peter. 
I mean, you maybe don't think it's so important. And I think when you don't have it, you are indeed unleashing crime. I feel that. Go you ahead. said you would sign an executive order Go on ahead. birthright citizenship. Are you still going to sign the executive order on birth, birthright you'll answer, citizenship? You'll this ask week? me that question a little bit later. Go ahead. Okay. Go ahead, Chair. Thank you, Mr. President. The investigation by the special counsel, Robert Mueller, has been going on since last spring. It's been uh, over your head. It's been a long time. Yeah, it's been over your head, over Republicans' head, during the midterms as well. Is this an opportunity for you, Mr. President, to end that investigation? Would you consider uh, removing Mr. Mueller from his position? I could have ended it any time I wanted. I didn't. And there was no collusion. There was no anything. I didn't. they went after hackers in Moscow. I don't know about that. They went after people uh, with uh, tax problems from years ago. They went after people with uh, loans and other things. Had nothing to do with my campaign. Uh, this is a investigation where many, many millions of dollars has been spent. And there's no collusion. It was supposed to be on collusion. There's no collusion. And I think it's... I think it's very bad for our country, I will tell you. I think it's a shame. And a poll came out today, by the way, from NBC, or at least I saw it on NBC, where a majority of the people do not agree with the Mueller investigation, or it wasn't approved. They have approval and disapproval, and it had a a much higher disapproval. Uh, It should end, because it's very bad for our country. So if it's it's, bad... And I'm not just talking about the tremendous expense. And the other thing is they should look at the other side also. They only look at one side. They're not looking at all of the things that came up during this investigation. They don't do that. They should also get people that can be fair, not 13 or 14 or 17. I call them the angry Democrats. They are angry people. And it's a very unfair thing for this country. It's a very, very – forget about unfair to me. It's very bad for our country. Okay. So, Mr. President, if it's if it's unfair to the country and it's costing millions of dollars, why don't you just give him the mic, it? please? I've answered the question. Okay. Go ahead, take the take the. Well, I'll give you voters. I, I will give you voter suppression. You just have to sit down, please. Sit down. I didn't call you. I didn't call you. I didn't call you. I'll give you voter suppression. Take a look at the CNN polls. How inaccurate they were. That's called voter suppression. Go ahead, please. Thank you, Mr. President. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not responding. I'm responding to... Excuse me. I'm not responding to you. I'm talking to this gentleman. Will you please sit down? Would, excuse me. Excuse me. Would you please sit down? Please go ahead. Thank you, Mr. President. Now that the, uh, now that the House of Representatives... Very hostile. Uh, it's such a hostile media. It's so sad. You ask me about... No. You rudely interrupted him. You rudely interrupted him. Go ahead. Thank you, Mr. President. Do your demands remain to sa- the same to the United States Congress on uh, immigration in exchange for a DACA fix, in exchange for an amnesty for $1.7 million? Are you willing to change any of those demands that you gave to Congress earlier? I think we could really do something having to do with DACA. And what really happened with DACA, we could have done some pretty good work on DACA, but a judge ruled that DACA was okay. Had the judge not ruled that way, I think we would have made a deal. Once the judge ruled that way, the Democrats didn't want to talk anymore. So it'll see, we'll see how it works out at the Supreme Court. Do you still... <laughs> Go ahead. From where? Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Mr. President. Go ahead. 
Which which group? Where do you want me to take a question from? Yeah, go ahead, hey, ma'am. Go ahead. Take Thank the. You. Oh, either one. Either one. Okay. Or both. Are you together? Go ahead. We're not together, Mr. President. How do you respond to critics who say that your message on the campaign towards minorities have been polarizing? I don't think it has is, been at all. But is the election of two Muslim women, one of them is veiled to the House, which is making history? Is this a rebuke of this message? I don't understand what you're saying. What? But is it a rebuke of this message? Do you think that this is more reflective of multi-ethnic and multicultural America? Well, that question. I can only say this. You look at the employment and unemployment numbers for African Americans, for Asian Americans, for Hispanic Americans, they're at a historic high. Uh, a poll came out recently where my numbers with Hispanics and with African Americans are the highest, the best they've ever been. That, had, that took place two or three days ago, the poll. Uh, the, I have the best numbers with African American and Hispanic American that I've ever had before. And you saw the same poll. So I can't say that. I can say this. You look at median income. You look at all of the employment and unemployment numbers. Uh, they're doing the best they've ever done. And okay. it reflects, it really is very reflective in the polls. Yes, go ahead. Mr. President, I'm from Brooklyn, so you'll understand that. I understand you very well. Uh, my question is on health care. How is it possible to keep premiums down and cover pre-existing conditions without the individual mandate to fund it? Well, first of all, what we're doing, and we're, if you look at the Department of Labor, also uh, Secretary, separately, separ Secretary Azar, what they've done, they've come up with some incredible health care plans, which is causing great competition and driving the prices right down. But we are getting rid of the individual mandate because it was very unfair to a lot of people. But at the same time, we're covering the people that need it. But the individual mandate was a disaster because people that couldn't necessarily afford it were having to pay for the privilege of not having to pay for health care. And it was bad health care at that. So we are working many plans for health care. We're creating tremendous competition. We had Obamacare repealed and replaced. Unfortunately, one person changed his mind at the last moment. And we had no Democrat support. I have to say that. We didn't have one vote. We would have repealed it, replaced it. We would have had a large-scale, very good health care plan. Now we're doing it a different way. We're doing it a different way. Uh, but getting rid of the individual mandate is a very, very popular thing and a very important thing, and people very much appreciate it. <laughs> Go ahead. No, no, that's, that's enough. Go ahead, please. Thank you, sir. Uh, two questions. One, I know you went through the results, and you obviously studied them late last night. What lesson did you learn most from looking at those results? Was there one thing that, as you kind of reviewed them, that you'll change your strategy, not just for... Congress, but kind of going forward, and then just to follow up. Well, I think the results that I've learned, and maybe confirm, I think people like me. I think people like the job I'm doing, frankly. Because if you look at every place I went to do a rally, I couldn't do it with everybody. Uh, but And it was very hard to do it with uh, people in Congress, uh, because there are just too many, there would be too many stops. But uh, I did it with the Senate. I did it with Andy Barr, as you know. And, and he won. He won a very tough race against McGrath. I was a very, very tough race in Kentucky, and he was down quite a bit, and I went there, and we had a tremendous, very successful, some of you were at that rally, and he won that race. But I could only do that so much because there were just so many players involved. But I did focus on the Senate, and we had tremendous success with the Senate. Really tremendous. Can I ask you one more, one more question? Sorry, Mr. Mr. President, one more question, if you don't mind. I'm so sorry, sir. 
It's a rare opportunity. Uh, a lot of people are going to be rushing to Iowa, rushing to New Hampshire. You know that the Democrats are already looking ahead to 2020. Do you want to lock down your ticket right now, sir? Will the vice president be your running mate in 2020? Well, I haven't asked him, but I hope so. Where are you? Mike, will you be my running mate? Huh? Stand up, Mike, please. Raise your right hand. No, I'm all good. Will you? Thank you. Okay, good. Yeah, the answer is yes. So thank you, sir. That was unexpected, but I feel very fine. Uh, yeah, please. Thank you, Mr. President. Going back to the Russia investigation and the potential investigations from the now democratically uh, democratic majority in Congress, some say that you could stop all this by declassifying. I could. I could, st- I could fire everybody right now, but you, I don't want to stop it because politically, big- I don't like stopping it. Yeah. Uh, it's a disgrace. It should have never been started because there was no crime. Uh, it is. Everybody has conflicts. They all have conflicts over there that are. Uh, beyond anything that anybody's ever seen in terms of conflicts, uh, from uh, the fact that people ask for jobs, from the fact that they have very good friends on the other side, like really good friends like Comey, who, by the way, lied and leaked, and also leaked classified information. Nothing happened there. It might, perhaps. Maybe something's happening that I don't know about. I stay away from it. But you know what I do? I let it just go on. They're wasting a lot of money, but I let it go on because I don't want to do that. But you're right. I could end it right now. I could say that investigation is over. But it's, it's really um, it's a disgrace, frankly. And it's an embarrassment to our country. It's an embarrassment to the people of our country. And it's too bad. Go ahead. What about the declassification of the documents? Some say that that would clear well, it all up. We're looking at that. No, You're no, we're looking at it? that very seriously. Declassification, okay. we're looking yeah. at very seriously. Okay, can I ask one more question? It's amazing how people on the other side just don't want those documents declassified. But, no, we're looking at that very carefully. And I certainly wanted to wait till after the midterms. Can I ask you one more question, Mr. President? Okay, thank you. Go ahead. Thank you, Mr. President. You have campaigned as a pro-life president. You have defended the rights of unborn children. You now have a divided Congress. It's unlikely to pass any, right. pro, to pass any tough, pro-life bills. Very tough issue. How, how are you going to push forward your pro-life agenda? Just going to push. I've been pushing. I've done a very good job, too. I'm very happy with me. But it's a tough issue for the two sides. There's no question about it. But what are you going to do? There is great division. What am I going to do? I, I won't be able to explain that to you because it is an issue that is a very... Uh, a divisive, polarizing issue. But there is a solution. I think I have that solution, and nobody else does. We're going to be, we're going to be working on that. Yes, go ahead, please. She took your place, but that's okay. Mr. President, just a quick question uh, on rural America. In states like Indiana, North Dakota, folks turned out for Republican candidates. Could you talk a little bit about what this means for your agenda in terms of trade and the farm bill? Uh, the farm bill is working really well. I mean, we could have had it approved any time, but we're looking to get work rules approved. The farmers want it. I'd like it. The problem is the Democrats are not giving us the 10 votes that we need. We are. Everybody wants it. The farmers want it. But the Democrats are not approving the farm bill with work rules. We could have it very fast without the work rules, but we want the work rules in, and the Democrats just don't want to vote for that. So at some point, they'll have to pay maybe a price, Jeff. Go ahead. 
Thank you very much, Mr. President. Thank you. Thank Have you, you seen any evidence that Russia or China intervened in yesterday's election? Well, we've gonna, we're going to make a full report, and unlike the previous administration, we've done a lot of work on that issue. And uh, if you look, uh, speak with the FBI, speak with the Department of Justice, speak to Homeland Security. Uh, we've spent a lot of time. It gets very little coverage in the papers. I mean, you cover the nonsense part, but you don't cover the important. This is very important. And we have been working very hard on China and Russia and everybody else looking into our elections or meddling with our elections. But uh, people tend not to write about it. But we have worked very hard, as you've probably heard. What do you, what do you intend to say, sir, to President Xi and to President Putin when you meet with them later this month? Well, I have a good relationship with both. Uh, I know uh, President Xi better, but I think I have a very good relationship with both. I actually had a very good meeting in Russia that you people didn't agree with, but that's okay. It doesn't much matter, obviously, because you are But the fact is that uh, I had a very, very good meeting, a very, very good meeting with President Putin, uh, and a lot was discussed about security, about Syria, about uh, Ukraine. Uh, about the fact that President Obama allowed a very large part of Ukraine to be taken. And right now you have submarines off that particular parcel that we're talking about. You that was, talking that about. was President Putin who, who annexed Crimea. So that was President Obama's regime. That was during President Obama. Right? That was, that was not during me. But it that was, was during, President No, that Putin was President the Obama. annexation. No, no. It was President Obama that allowed it to happen. Had nothing to do with me. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thank you, Mr. President. Cordelia Lynch, Sky News. Um, you're a man who likes to win, but last night was not an absolute victory for you. I'll be, hon I'll be honest. I thought, it was a, I thought it was a very close to complete victory. When you look at it from the standpoint of negotiation, when you look at it from the standpoint of deal-making, because it's all about deal-making, again, if we had the majority and we had one or two or three votes to play with, we would never, we would have been at a standstill. I really believe that we have a chance to get along very well with the Democrats. And if that's the case, we can do a tremendous amount of legislation and get it approved by both parties. So I consider it to be, hey, look, I won Georgia. Uh, President Obama campaigned very hard in Georgia. Oprah. Winfrey campaigned very, very hard all over the television. I said, this is going to be tough. I only had me. I didn't have anybody else. And I went to Georgia, and we had one of the largest crowds that anybody here has seen ever at a political rally. And you know what? He won. And he won actually by, you know, pretty good margin. He won. And then we went to Florida, and they had celebrities all over the place. And a man who happens to be a very smart person uh, was running, Ron DeSantis, and people didn't give him a chance. And I went and we had, we did some great work, and they're going to have a great governor of the state of Florida. And then we talked about the Senate, and a lot of money was pouring in for the Democrat. This is a man who's been in office for like 44 years or something. This is a man who's like a professional at getting elected and being at office. So he's not, Bill Nelson, not easy to beat, okay? And, but they had a lot of celebrity coming out for Nelson. They had everybody coming out for Nelson. And Rick Scott won. And I helped him. And I think we've done an amazing job. And you could look at many other places. You just take a look at some of the other places. 
and we just got the word that in Iowa, you have a governor who just got extended, who's fantastic, Kim just got extended, and, and numerous other places. I think it was a great victory. I, I'll be honest. I think it was a great victory. And actually, some of the news this morning was that it was, in fact, a great victory. But if you look at it from the standpoint of gridlock, I really believe there's going to be much less gridlock because of the way this is going than any other. Right? <laughs> Let's try that quick follow-up on that. Right, sit down, please. Go ahead. Thank you, Mr. President. Let me ask you about one of the campaign promises you made down the stretch, which was a 10% tax cut for the middle class. Yeah. You just talked about gridlock. Democrats, they now run the House, yeah. Ways, House yeah. Ways and Means Committee. If it means a tax cut of some kind for the middle class, but that means raising rates elsewhere, corporations on the wealthiest, is that a trade-off that you would be willing to make well, and able to be. enact the middle You know class that tax? this will have to be now uh, proposed, because if we did it now, we don't have the votes in the Senate. You don't have we – need, we would need 10 Democrat votes. We probably couldn't get them. If we could, we could pass it very easily in the House. But there's no reason to waste time, because you don't have the votes in the Senate. But if the – uh, as an example, if the Democrats come up with an idea for tax cuts, which I'm a big believer in tax cuts, I would absolutely pursue something, even if it means some adjustment. Some adjustment on which side? The corporate, some the individual? Yeah, to make it possible. But I would love to see a tax cut for the middle class. Uh, now, that's going to be their decision. They're going to have to make that decision. As you know, if we bring it up to the Senate, we'd need... Democrat votes ten, and we don't have those ten votes. And just because the markets would, and just because the markets would want to know, sir, some adjustment would that be one, two, three percent oh, on I, either I'm side? Not you I'm just saying, I would be certainly willing to do a little bit of an adjustment. Go ahead, behind. Thank you. you go thank ahead, you. please. Uh, Mr. President, thank you very much. Um, two questions. One is, um, you had talked about leaders who had called to congratulate you. Did President Putin call to con congratulate you? And will you, in fact, meet with him at lunch uh, this coming weekend? Well, as I understand it, we're having, and I guess a lot of you are going over, we're having a lunch for numerous countries. I'll be there. I believe President Putin is going to be there. We don't have anything scheduled. Uh, I, I don't think we have anything scheduled in Paris. Uh, and I'm coming back very quickly. I'm going over. This is a great event. This is an important, um, really, this is going to be a very important and I think a very beautiful ceremony. I'm looking forward to going and we're representing the incredible heroes of the world, but the heroes of our country from World War I. And so I'll be going there, and I am very proud to go did, there. Did he call I don't, you? I don't think we have time set aside for that meeting. Now, with that being said, we're very shortly meeting again at the G20, where he'll be there, and I'll be there, and that's where we're actually looking forward to meeting. And, we and will be having we will be having a lunch, but I think there are many people there. And did he call you to congratulate you? And if I could also just invite you, since this is a quite a gathering we've got here, to go ahead and talk about the staff changes that you expect in the White House while we're here. We're eager to hear about them. Is General, well, I, I is General Kelly going to stay as on? We make, as we make changes, we'll. Sit down and talk to you about it. I mean, there's no great secret. A lot of, a lot of uh, administrations make changes after midterms. Uh, I will say that for the most part, I'm very, very happy with this cabinet. We're doing a great but, job. But what, what about you, in the White House? What do? about in the White House, sir? You, you've got a lot of White House staff. Some have been talking about leaving. General Kelly has been uh, well, rumored okay. to be leaving. No, people leave. People leave. And is that going to happen? People sir? leave. I don't. I, I haven't heard about John Kelly. But no, people. People leave. They come in. They're here. It's a very exhausting job, although I love doing it, I must tell you. But it's exhausting for a lot of people. I'm surprised at a lot of people. They start off, they're young people. They're there for two years, and they're old by the time they leave. <laughs> it's quite exhausting. 
but but I love doing it, and I, I'll tell you, uh, there will be changes. Nothing monumental okay. from that standpoint. I don't think very much different than most administrations. But and we have, I mean, we have many people lined up for every single position. Any position, everybody wants to work in this White House. We are a hot country. This is a hot White House. We are a White House that people want to work with. Okay. Uh, no, no, please, behind you. Behind you, go ahead. This has been a very challenging campaign. It, it is, this has been a very, been a very challenging campaign. It's a very challenging campaign. It has involved quite a lot of abuse and a lot of violence. People have died during the course of this campaign. Right. Is there any way in which you think the temperature could be lowered? Perhaps peace could break out with the media? Perhaps your bipartisan relationships across the House and the Senate may now produce some change? Or are we going to have more of the same? It's a very fair question. Look, I would love to see unity and peace and love and any other word you want to use. Uh, And... Obviously, I think we had to, especially at this particular juncture, we had to wait till after the midterms are over. Now they're over. If they would cover me fairly, which they don't, which they don't. I'm not saying that in a hostile way. I get extremely inaccurate coverage. I can do something that's fantastic, and they'll make it look like not good. Uh, and, and I don't mind being, having bad stories. If I make a mistake, cover it. I would like you to cover it fairly, but cover it. But when you do something terrific, look how little the economy has talked about. A poll came out this morning talking about how little the three networks, I don't think they included CNN, but how little the three networks talk about how good the economy is. How little? Almost not at all. If President Obama had this economy, and by the way, if that administration through somebody else kept going, you would have had negative 4.2 instead of positive 4.2% growth. You would have had negative. It was heading down. But here, the point is this, excuse me. I would love to see uh, unity, including with the media. Because I think the media, I'll be honest, I think it's a very divisive thing for our country. And you would be amazed at how smart people are that are reading your stories and seeing your stories and watching. You'd be amazed how perceptive and how smart they are. They get it. And it really does bring disunity. I, I didn't. Excuse me. You you are not you are not called on. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, please. About Turkey. Uh, thank you, uh, President Trump. Uh, shortly after your victory speech on the historic night of uh, back in November 2016, I asked you to what single factor you most attributed this victory to. Said you have to speak up. Sure. Um, on the night of your victory, I asked you right after your speech, to what you would attribute your victory, you pointed up to the ceiling and you said that it was God. Um, based off of that, how would you say uh, over the last two, uh, two years, God uh, plays, what kind of a factor he plays in the day-to-day execution of the office of the well, president? Well, God plays a big factor in my life, and God plays a factor in the lives of many people that I know very well in this room, like and, your vice president. Uh, God plays a very big role in my life. And, 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 one, and one, one, one more back to life. A quick one, quick follow-up. Um, which loss last night surprised you the most, and which of these unsuccessful candidates are you most likely to consider for Nothing a future administration? Nothing surprises me in politics. But there were some losses th- last night, and there were some victories last night that have been incredible. I mean, there were victories last night that 
nobody would believe, especially based on the suppression polls. They had a lot of suppression polls. Would you, would you and there were some any- victories last night. That were very surprising, but I'm not going to pick out special. You know, well, special would you consider people. any for it's a post? It's tough enough for those people to have. Would you a consider loss? any for an administration post moving forward as one of the very few of the 3.7% unemployed? What? Would you consider any of the people who lost last night for a post in the administration in the near future? I know a couple of very good ones. Yeah, I would actually. Go ahead, please. Mr. President, Mr. President, I asked you on Monday if there was anything that you regret in your first two years. And you said that at times you could have and should have used a, quote, softer tone. Your critics, as you can imagine, your skeptics, they say they're not holding their breath on that happening. Will you indeed have to change your tone if you're to get things passed through Congress after losing the House? And you also said you might extend an olive branch. What would would that look like? I would love to have. I'd be very good at a low tone. But when things are done not correctly about you, mm-hmm. written about you, said about you, on television, on wherever it is. You have to defend yourself. I would love to do very, very even touch, much easier than what I have to do. I have to go around, and going around is much easier than facing somebody and being treated fairly. But when you're not treated fairly, you really have no choice. I would love to have a very even, uh, modest, boring tone. I would be very honored by that. But you know what? When you have to fight, all the time fight, because you're being misrepresented by the media, you really can't do that. But not about the media, sir. But, but sir, real quickly, not about the media, but please. what about with Congress? Please, go ahead. Mr. President, can you tell us how you focus on the economic... Where are you from, please? Japan. Okay. Say to Shinzo. Yes. I'm sure he's happy about tariffs on his cars. Go ahead. That's my question, actually. So how you focus on the trade and economic issue with Japan? Will you ask Japan to do more, or will you change your tone? I, I don't, I really don't understand. You. How will you focus on trade and economic issues? Trade with Japan? Yes. Well, we're dealing with uh, Japan right now on trade. Mm-hmm. Uh, Japan has, uh, it's a great country. You have a great prime minister who just had a very successful election. Yes. Uh, he's a very good friend of mine. He's one of the people I'm closest with. And, but I tell him all the time that Japan does not treat the United States fairly on trade. They send in millions of cars at a very low tax. They don't take our cars. And if they do, they have a massive tax on the cars. Uh, Japan, and I'm not blaming Japan. I'm blaming the people that were in charge of the United States for allowing that to happen. But as you know, we have close to a $100 billion trade deficit with Japan. And Japan has treated us very unfairly. But uh, don't feel lonely because you weren't the only one. How about North Korea? How about North Korea? Thank you, Mr. President. Two international questions. The first one, um, Secretary Pompeo's talks uh, about North Korea, with, uh, North Korea have been postponed. Um, what is happening there, and will yeah, nothing, your meeting still uh, no, no, happen? We're, with we're uh, going to change it because of trips that are being made. Uh, we're going to make it in another date. But we're very happy how it's going with North Korea. We think it's going fine. We're in no rush. We're in no hurry. The sanctions are on. You're still expecting me, no, no, Kim listen, Jong-un? Excuse me. Wait. Sorry, sir. The sanctions are on. Mm-hmm. The missiles have stopped. The rockets have stopped. The hostages are home. The great heroes have been coming home. Mike Pence was in Hawaii where the one of the most beautiful ceremonies that anyone's ever seen for the fallen. These are great heroes. Very important when I was running. A lot of people, as many years ago as it was, in many cases grandchildren, but they were asking about that. 
they're coming home and they're being provided to us as we speak. Uh, but I'm in no rush. I'm in no rush. The sanctions are on. I read uh, a couple of times and I've seen a few times where they said, he's done so much. What have I done? I met. Now, I'd love to take the sanctions off. But they have to be responsive, too. It's, it's two-way straight. But we're not in any rush at all. There's no rush whatsoever. You know, before I got here, they were dealing with this for over 70 years. And I guess on a nuclear front for 25 years. That's a long time. I've been there. I probably left Singapore four or five months ago. And we made more progress in that four or five months than they've made in 70 years. And nobody else could have done what I've done. But I'll say this. I'll say this very simply. Uh, we're in no rush. The sanctions are on. And whenever it is. But that meeting is going to be rescheduled. That meeting? But how about your, your meeting with Kim Jong-un, sir? Will it happen in the next month? You? Uh, sometime next year, I would say. Sometime next sometime, year? Sometime early next year. Yeah. And a quick question on the USMCA. Now that it's been concluded, have you repaired your relationship with Prime Minister Trudeau? Yes, I have. We have a very good relationship. Thank you. Thank you very much, Mr. President. We've been talking a lot about division and the division that exists in sure. this country right now. Sure. And some of the statistics are disturbing, I think, to just about everyone. Uh, Anti-Semitic incidents have increased by 57% since 2016. Hate crimes are on the rise. Why do you think that is? And what will you do about it? It's very sad to see it. I hate to see it. And as you know, I've done more. In fact, if you were with us the last time we met, Prime Minister Netanyahu said that this president has done more for Israel than any other president. Those words, those exact words. Uh, Jerusalem, protection, working together, so many different things. But the big thing is Jerusalem. You know, many, many presidents have, uh, have said they are going to build the embassy in Jerusalem. Never happened. Making it the capital of Israel. Never happened. Never happened. But it happened with me, and quickly. And not only did it happen, we built the embassy. That would have taken another 15 or 20 years and cost probably billions of dollars. And we did it for a tiny amount of money. It's already done. It's open. Uh, nobody has done more for Israel than Donald Trump. And the nice part is that's not me saying it. That's Prime Minister Netanyahu. But what about the, Mr. President, what about the divides in this country? Mr. President, what about healing the divides in this country? Well, we want, to see the, we want to see it healed. And one of the things I think that can help heal is the success of our country. We are really successful now. We've gone up $11.7 trillion in, in worth. Uh, if you know, China's come down tremendously, tremendously. China would have uh, superseded us in two years as an economic power. Now they're not even close. China got rid of their China 25 because I found it very insulting. I said that to them. I said China 25 is very insulting because China 25 means in 2025, they're going to take over economically the world. I said, that's not happening. And we've gone way up. And they've gone down. And I don't want them to go down. We'll have a good meeting and we're going to see what we can do. But I have to say this. Uh, billions of dollars will soon be pouring into our treasury from taxes that China is paying for us. And if you speak to Mr. Pillsbury, who probably is the leading authority on China. He was on the other day saying he has never seen anything like it. 
And you know who else hasn't? China hasn't. And Mr. President... But we're going to try and make a deal with China because I want to have great relationships with President Xi as I do and also with China. You're talking about the economic... Okay. How do you see a role as a moral leader? Ahead, Mr. Please. President, just ahead, how do you please, see a role please. as a moral Go leader? Ahead. There's so many people, I'm sorry. As a moral leader, though. I, I think I am a great moral leader, and I love our country. Go ahead, please. Thank you, sir. Um, you said earlier in this press conference that Democrats had a choice that you would not work with them on legislation if they were investigating you. Do you not have a choice in the matter as well? Don't you no, have I a responsibility? I think it's inappropriate. No, no. I think it's very inappropriate. We should get along and get deals done. Now, we can investigate. They look at us. We look at them. It goes on for two years. Then at the end of two years, nothing's done. Now, what's bad for them is being in the majority, I'm just going to blame them. You understand. I'm going to blame them. They're the majority. Honestly, it makes it much simpler for me. I, they will be blamed. But I think Nancy Pelosi, and you know, I put that... Uh, statement out on social media today about Nancy Pelosi that if she's short of votes, because frankly I think she deserves, and a lot of people thought I was being sarcastic or I was kidding, I wasn't. I think she deserves it. She's been fighting long for it. She's been fighting. I really mean this. this there was nothing sarcastic about it, or it was really meant in, in, with very good intentions. I think she deserves it. She's fought long and hard. She's a very capable person. And you know, you have other people shooting at her, trying to take over the speakership. And I said, if, I, if it's appropriate, I said, if we can and if we will, if she has a problem, I think I would be able to very easily supply her the necessary votes. That's not said in any way other than I really believe she deserves that position. I also believe that Nancy Pelosi and I can work together and get a lot of things done, along with Mitch and everybody else that we have to work with. I think we'll get a lot done. Uh, Mr. President, why can't, okay, you, do, Mr. President, why can't you do that while subpoenas are coming through? Excuse me? Why can't you work together while there are subpoenas or while there are investigations in process? I think we will. I, look, now that the election's over, the election's over. Now everybody is in love. But then I see the hostility of questions in the room. I come in here as a nice person wanting to answer questions, and I have people jumping out of their, their seats screaming questions at me. Uh, no, the election's over. And I'm, you know, very, I am extraordinarily happy. I really am. And by the way, I tell you if I wasn't, look at what happened in Florida. Look at what happened in Georgia. Look at what happened in so many locations with governorships. Nobody talks about the governorships. Look at the amount of work that was given to these other candidates against my candidate. And, I mean, I'm extraordinarily happy. And if I wasn't, I'd let you know. There's nothing wrong. I mean, look, you look at midterms. And you look at elections, elections generally, you see it's very rare that a party who, who has the presidency does well. We did unbelievably well to win Florida, both the Senate and the governorship, against two very talented people. I'll tell you what, we did incredibly. To win Georgia when you had some of the biggest stars in the world campaigning endlessly, including President Obama, uh, you know, I, I tell you what, this was a great victory for us. And again, from a deal-making standpoint, we are all much better off the way it turned out. Because I really believe if the, if the Democrats want to, we can do a tremendous amount of great legislation. Yes, please, go ahead. Should we keep this going for a little while? Yes. 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 
Yes, I think you should keep this you going. When you get bored, would you please tell me? Seriously. Tell me. You're never bored. I don't want to, hopefully not. I don't want to overstay, but please go ahead. Hi, Mr. President. Yemi Shalsander with PBS NewsHour. Um, on the campaign trail, you called yourself a nationalist. Some people saw that as emboldening white nationalists. Now people are also saying that the president... I don't know why you'd that say that. Pres- it's such a racist There question. are some people that say that no. now the Republican Party is seen as supporting white nationalists oh, because of your rhetoric. What do you that. make of that? I don't believe I just Well, I don't know. Why do I have my highest poll numbers ever with African Americans? Why do I have among the highest poll numbers with African Americans? I mean, why do I have my highest poll numbers? That's such a racist question. Honestly... I mean, I know you have it written down and you're going to tell me. Let me tell you, it's a racist question. And Mr. Uh, President, I, I love ask- it. You know what the word is? I love our country. I do. You, call, you have nationalists, you have globalists. I also love the world. And I don't mind helping the world, but we have to straighten out our country first. We have a lot of problems. And this- Excuse me. But to say that, what you said, is so insulting to me. It's a very terrible thing that you said. And Mr. Okay, President, please, Mr. President, people have t- you, you talked ahead. about you talked Excuse about me. middle you talked about middle class tax cuts on the campaign trail. How will you get Democrats to support that policy? You have to ask that? them. Well, hey, what's, what's your plan no, for working me. with Democrats you know how, on my middle class is? tax plan? You know what my plan is? I'll ask them. And if they say yes, I'm all for it. And if they say no, there's nothing you can do because you need their votes. Go ahead. Uh, yes. Thank you, Mr. President. Francesca Chambers, DailyMail.com. Uh, you said many times on the campaign trail that uh, you didn't want Nancy Pelosi to be speaker. At least you suggested that. You spent a lot of time talking about her and Chuck Schumer. Of course want. I would have. Uh, so here's, uh, let, me, let me answer. Would I have preferred winning by two or three or four? I would almost have to think about that. But certainly, I like to win. Uh, and if I win, she's not going to be speaker. What did she say to you, though, yesterday that made you give her her support? Honestly, support. we had a very warm conversation. You know, she loves this country. And she's a very smart woman. She's done a very good job. She was really, I mean, she's had a very... Did she promise that they very, wouldn't seek to impeach she's you? She's had a very, very... We didn't talk about impeaching we didn't talk about, what do you do? Do you impeach somebody because he created the greatest economic uh, success in the history of our country? Let's impeach him because the country is so successful. Let's impeach him. Has he done anything wrong? They asked somebody, has he done anything wrong? No, but let's impeach him anyway. And they also said, let's impeach Justice Kavanaugh. Let's impeach him. And now they have the second woman coming out, That the first to second. And I hate to say this, but it was public. And after him, we're going to impeach the vice president. We're going to impeach Mike Pence. Mike Pence doesn't get impeached for anything. So let's, let's impeach the president, and then we'll impeach the vice president. These people are sick. And you know what? They have to get their bearing. Really, they have to get their bearing. And when you ask about division, they're the ones that cause the division. They cause tremendous division. Okay, regarding yeah, ahead, all please. the retirements in the House, regarding all of the retirements in the House, Mr. President, very quickly, you, you, you suggested Who's that... Who is retiring? Y- you said that many of the retirements that happened in the House made it very difficult... Many retirements, for, yeah. ...that made it very difficult for you in this election cycle, and that it was because they were chairmen, that were chairmanships that were vacated, but Jeff Flake wasn't a chairman of a committee, and Paul Ryan also retired the cycle. So why do you think that is? Whose fault is it that there in were so Jeff many retirements? In Jeff Flake's case, it's me. Pure and simple. I retired him. I'm very proud of it. I did the country a great service. Go ahead. Give him that. Give him that. He is retired. I'd like to call it another word, but we're going to treat him with great respect. Go ahead. Thank you, Mr. President. Jeff Flake, that's another beauty. Go ahead. 
two questions, please. No, one, 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 one. Well, too many people. All right. Sorry. All right. You seem to enjoy this venue very much. Are you going to make the standard press conference a staple of the remaining no. two years, or no. will you have more briefings with no. Sarah Sanders? You know, when I don't do the, I think Sarah's fantastic. Where is Sarah? Where is Sarah? Sarah's so great. I think Sarah, you've represented me so well and been abused. She's been horribly treated by a lot of so people. So she's going to stay no, no, on no, no, as press no. secretary. But it's very interesting because Sarah was talking, we were talking about it the other day. So I had a period where I figured, you know what I'll do? I won't do any real interviews. And then they start saying, why isn't he doing what? You know, they're all coming up with all kinds. Then over the last couple of months, I decided, I'll do a lot. We'll stop at the helicopter. We'll do this. We'll do a lot of... And then they say, why is he doing so many press conferences? What's wrong? What? So when I don't do them, you say, what's wrong? When I do do them, you say, what's wrong? And when I go in the middle, you say, what's wrong? But in the middle, you know that, John. Right? Yeah, sort of right. Okay, good. No, no, you did. Excuse me. Well, you complained about access when I purposely just stayed away from the press for a while because I wanted to see how it worked. And, and can I be honest with you? It didn't work well. Mr. President, I didn't, it didn't work the well. question. So Sarah will stay on as press secretary. Okay, please, go ahead. No, go ahead. Um, first off, I personally think it's very good to have you here because a free press and this I type do of too. engagement. Actually, I do too. Yes, it's vital to talk. earned media. It's worth billions. Go ahead. Um, so I have two questions for you, if that's all right. It's a rare opportunity. Um, first, just a point of clarification on the tax returns issue. Um, you brought up the audit. That doesn't prevent you from releasing them. I know. Oh, sure. Right. That, but it, I didn't say it prevented me. I said lawyers will tell you not to do it. But ahead, what's your next question? Go if, Come well, on, let's go. I just on More that, exciting okay. question than that, please. Second one. Um, Michael Cohen recently said you called black voters stupid. That's false. Omarosa has accused you of using the N-word, and the rapper, the rapper Little John has said you called him Uncle Tom. What's your response? I, I don't know who Little John is. I don't, I really he was don't. on The Apprentice. I don't know. Oh, he was? Okay. Yeah. Oh, I see. Have you ever made racist know. remarks? No. no, I would never do that, and I don't use racist and, remarks. And you know what? If I did, you people have, you would have known about it. I've been hearing there are tapes for years and years. There are tapes. Number one, I never worried about it because I never did. I never used racist remarks. I've never used racist remarks. Okay. Well, one point of fact. You, no, no, one, one point of Go fact ahead. because you told her you have quiet, the highest quiet, approval among African-Americans. It's just 8%, sir, single digits. See, when you talk about division, it's people like this that cause division. Great division. Great. No, no, point of fact is that I never used a racist remark. That's the point of fact. Where, who are you from? Yahoo, Yahoo, you? No, good. Good. I hope, I hope they're doing well. MTV Lebanon, Ellen Dorgan. So first question. Where are you from? MTV Lebanon. Lebanon. Oh, Lebanon. Good. Yes. Thank you, Mr. President. We're so happy to be here as well, have this opportunity. Uh, Mr. Uh, President Erdogan said he's not going to follow your sanctions and he's going to keep uh, buying uh, oil from... Uh, Who said that? Uh, President Erdogan. Turkey. I know, I know. And you're going to meet him uh, soon. Just can't understand his... Okay. Speech. You're going to meet him soon. Uh, you're going to have this talk. And some countries are going to take the same steps that President Erdogan is doing. So and let me just say about the oil, okay? So we're, we imposed, just recently, the strongest sanctions in the history of our country, just about. Well, I guess North Korea is there, too. But I gave some countries a break on the oil... I did it a little bit because they really asked for some help. 
But I really did it because I don't want to drive oil prices up to $100 a barrel or $150 a barrel because I'm driving them down. If you look at oil prices, they've come down very substantially over the last couple of months. That's because of me, because you have a monopoly called OPEC. And I don't like, wait, and I don't like that monopoly. I don't like it. And oil prices are coming down. So rather than deciding to be as tough as I am on most of the sanctions, what I've done is I said, we're not going to do it that way. We're going to let some of the oil go out to these countries that really do need it, because I don't want to drive the oil prices up to $100 or $150, which could happen very easily. It's a very fragile market, very, very fragile. I know it very well. And it's the absolute right decision. And they'll get tougher as time goes by, maybe. But I don't want to have any effect on the oil prices worldwide where I drive them up because I consider that to be a tax and I don't like taxes. We have a peace process between oh, Israel and Palestine. Please, please. The peace process is over. Who? Just John Tester oh, congratulations to John Tester. Congratulations. I'm sure you're very unhappy about that. Go ahead. Uh, Mr. Yes, President, please, go ahead. can you address the... Oh, we'll take a couple of more and then we'll go. Can you address concerns in places like Georgia where people waited in line to vote for hours, where voting machines weren't working in certain uh, districts? And you think it wasn't that's the reason that the candidate lost? Well, there are concerns being raised I, I, that, that I it wasn't. I wasn't involved in Georgia. I, was, I know, but other, than, but other than I love the state. I yes, do but love as the president state. of the United States, are you concerned about the access that people are having to voting? I heard it was very efficient in Georgia. I heard it was very efficient. But, again, you'd have to ask the state governments because uh, just one of those things you're going to have to ask them. Yeah, go ahead, please. Please, go ahead. Thank you, Thank you Mr. President. You expressed some concerns about social media companies unfairly censoring conservatives during the election. Do you anticipate working with Democrats to regulate these companies, or are you satisfied with the I would, I would do that, are? yeah. I would look at that very seriously. I think it's a serious problem. At the same time, you start getting into speech. That's a very dangerous problem. That could be the beginning. So it's very dangerous. Believe it or not, I'm one that really likes free speech. A lot of people don't understand that. But I am a big believer when you start regulating, a lot of bad things can happen. Uh, but uh, I would certainly talk to the Democrats if they want to do that. And I think they do want to do that. Yes, sir, former, go ahead. Former President, uh, former President Barack Obama famously said that he had a pen and a phone to use executive power on issues like immigration. Do you see yourself using um, executive power to get some of your immigration agenda done? Uh, I do. I do. I think that some of it I can use uh, executive power on some. Not all. But, I, I mean, he certainly used it. He used it on DACA. And when he did it, he said something to the effect that, I'm not allowed to do this. It'll never hold up, but I'm doing it anyway. And he did it, and they found judges that approved it. We also found judges that didn't approve it, so it's obviously going to be determined in the Supreme Court. And if the, if the court rules in favor of what President Obama thinks they should rule, which is what he said, then I will probably have a deal with the Democrats in a very short period of time. We were very close to having a deal until we got that very strange ruling. 
you also made some promises about immigration during the campaign, and I want to know if you're going to follow through with them. Are you going to aggressively? Which one are you talking about? Uh, birthright citizenship. Are you going to sign an executive order uh, to ban? We're looking at it very seriously, absolutely. Is, is yes or no? Are and you I, go I believe we have the absolute right, but that's another case that will be determined by the Supreme Court of the United States. Are you going to send 15,000 troops to the border? Uh, you've been reading the same documents as I have. You know exactly what I'm doing. You know exactly what I'm doing. So go ahead with your next question. Um, also, on the, the Khashoggi matter, we've been more than a month since the death of Mr. Khashoggi, yeah. the journalist. Very uh, sad thing, very terrible thing. Do you think Saudi Arabia is guilty of, of having him murdered? And if so, I'll what kind of punishment would be involved? I have a stronger opinion on that subject over the next week, and I'm working very closely with Congress. We're working together, some very talented people, and we're working with Congress, we're working with Turkey, and we're working with Saudi Arabia, and I'm forming a very strong opinion. <laughs> go ahead, John. Go ahead, John. Mr. President, just a, just a quick follow-up. You, you said something about Nancy Pelosi. You said that Nancy Pelosi, she loves our country. Do you regret some of the things you said during the campaign? I mean, no. various times you said no. Democrats want to put a wrecking ball to our future no, or destroy that. our country. I, I believe that. With their current policy, they're using a wrecking ball on our country. I believe that 100 percent. This would be a wrecking ball. But I think there's a compromise somewhere, and I think that could be really good for our country. Okay, how about one more? Do you Go regret ahead. the ad? Do you, do you regret the ad that, that you did that was branded as a racist ad, and even Fox no, News wouldn't air it, NBC wouldn't air it? Do I regret it? Networks? Yeah. Surprised you'd ask me that question. I do not. Go ahead, please. Right. Thank you, sir. And I think uh, we'd all love to have more of these if you're willing. Uh, in 2017, shortly after you took office, your Homeland Security Department shuttered a program to counter uh, homegrown uh, right-wing extremism, white supremacism, and related uh, terrorist groups, domestic terrorist groups, and redirected that funding towards fighting Islamic terrorism. Do you believe that uh, white supremacist terrorists, right-wing terrorists, these homegrown terrorists on that side of the spectrum are a problem? Sir, and yeah, what is I your do. administration? I do believe do that's it? a problem. I believe all hate is a problem, but I do believe that is a problem. What are you going and to it's do a problem it, we want to solve. How, okay. Sir? What are you Go going ahead. to do about it, sir? Sir, sir, what are you going to do about it? Go ahead. You cut off the funding. Mr. President, you no, said... We have given funding for that, a lot of funding, but I do believe it's a problem. And, and can I tell you what? It's a problem that I don't like even a little bit. Go ahead. Aixa Diaz with Hearst Television. You've said, pretend I'm on the ballot yesterday. You called it a referendum on your presidency. Many local districts across the country rejected your midterm message, particularly suburban women. How do you bridge that divide now? Also, with the influx of women coming into Congress. I think my message was very well received. I mean, just look at the results. Midterm elections are disasters for sitting presidents and administrations. This has been a very successful and, and look, you can write it any way you want, and if you disagree with me, this has been an incredibly successful one. You look at the races. How about Ohio? I didn't even mention. I mentioned Florida. I mentioned Georgia. How about the governor of Ohio? A fantastic, excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. A fantastic man who was down in the polls, and everybody was talking about this person that was so great, and I went up there, and I did a rally. And they have now a great governor. You're going to have a great governor in Ohio for hopefully a long period of time, but for four years. And Mike DeWine is a fantastic person. And I went up there for two reasons, because I felt that his opposition was not a good person, and we know a lot about him. And I felt that Mike was a fantastic person. 
And he won. And not only did he win, he won easily. So add that to Florida and add that to Georgia and add that to all of the other races that we won, outside even of the Senate races, which were the biggest of all. Because these were races that, and Mike Pence can tell you and some of the folks over here can tell you, these were races that were going to be unopposed. We were, going to, we were not going to oppose certain of the people running, certain senators. They said they couldn't be beaten. They said Heidi could not be beaten. Please don't do it. They couldn't. This was a year out. What about in the suburban Excuse districts? You, How no, do you but get you're telling me about You're telling me about popularity. They said many of these people, when I said nine out of 11, but I said when many of these people, these weren't like easy races. These were tough races. And so I think the level of popularity, the first question I was asked was about, well, what have you learned? What about your own popularity? I think that's what I learned. Is my po I, I was very well received by this great country, by the people of our great country. And I'm very proud of that because I love the people of this country. These people, we are the greatest people. I love the people of so our country. And, women, and I'll tell you something. When you look at the races that we won in Florida, which we weren't expected to win, and Georgia, which we weren't expected to win, and Ohio, which we weren't expected to win, and one, I mean, you look at some of them, the number of votes that we got is incredible. So I'm really happy with not only the way it came out, but the response to me as your president. And as your president, I've made our country safe. I've rebuilt and am in the process of rebuilding our military, and the jobs are here, every one of them built here. Uh, we're going to have the strongest, very shortly, we're going to have the strongest military our country has ever had. Uh, I've done more for the vets than any president has done, certainly in many, many decades, with choice and with other things, as you know, with other things. Uh, but the, our vets are doing better than they've ever done. But if you look at choice, choice alone, I mean, just take a look at what we've done with choice. But the people of our country are very happy with the job that I'm doing. And, you know, one, of the, things, one, of, the things, one of the things that they want so much is security. They want security, both at the border. They want it with our military. They want it with law enforcement. They want it with ICE. You know, we've taken out thousands of MS-13 gang members, thousands out of our country. hard to believe, thousands out of our country. Women of our country who are incredible people, they want security, they want safety, they want financial security also. We've done that. But they want physical security. And we've taken out thousands of people that shouldn't be in this country. But we have to get strong immigration laws so they don't come in. We want laws where they don't come in, where we don't have to take them out per se. And again, I'm very honored to be with all of you. Uh, it was a great day yesterday. It was a great evening. I think we had a tremendous success, and hopefully the tone can get better. And hopefully, hopefully the tone can get a lot better. And I really believe it begins with the media. I really, I, we used to call it the press. Does it begin with really, you, Mr. President? I really believe it begins with the media. If you would cover, and there was a very interesting story written in a very good paper recently that talked about the fact that it isn't good what the media is doing and that I do have the right to fight back because I'm treated very unfairly. So I do fight back. And I'm fighting back not for me. I'm fighting back for the people of this country. Thank you all very much. Thank you. Thank you.
All right, we've got uh, about uh, 16 minutes after 3. Uh, we have the rest of the uh, Trump uh, presser that he did today, all one hour and 26 minutes of it on the podcast. Is that right, uh, Russ? Just making it okay. Just wanted to make sure I got I got that right, but uh, we wanted to make sure that that uh, we got you good for that, so you can hear it if you want to hear it its entirety again. Uh, you can listen to it. Uh, we needed to break away here in just a moment. It's the only time I could get her on. It is going to be Blair Ellis. Uh, she's the uh, Republican National Committee Deputy National Press Secretary, and we're going to talk to her about. Uh, last night's election, which, though we lost the House, I have to be honest with you, they picked up 23 seats. Remember that 44 Republicans had retired. 44 had retired. So that just tells you this wasn't this blue tsunami that we have been been talking about, nor uh, when you look over in the, the Senate, for what happened because we picked up uh let's see indiana we picked up north dakota we picked up missouri and we picked up one other place i gotta say well we picked up florida yeah took away from nelson yeah that was a good one there's like four four seats for sure that we picked as i think about it i'm just my mind you will have to i have to apologize it's kind of mushy today because we got off at 10 o'clock last night yeah and then I went up and, and met with some of the uh, the candidates uh, that had won. I, I finally got home in, in between the sheets about 1 o'clock in the morning. So um, just letting you know, just letting you know that that's what happened. But if I have read correctly, for a president to win seats in the Senate, it hasn't happened very, I think, four times. Yeah. And... It's like the first time it's happened in a long, long time for uh, President Trump. I, I'm saying all this to kind of, you know, Blair Ellis is going to join us here in just a second. She's listening in. Bottom line is, I think this is boding very interestingly for 2020. I'm just telling you. Yeah. This is going to be really, oh, really yeah. interesting for uh, what's going to happen in 2020. Uh, Blair, how are you? Thanks for taking the time out and talking with us today. Oh, the pleasure is all mine. Thanks for having me on. Hope, uh, hope you guys didn't have too late of a night watching the results roll in. Well, we did all right here in Arkansas. If the rest of the country just listened to us, that we'd be good. Yeah, <laughs> all of our constitutional, yeah, off- yeah, all of our constitutional offices are red. Uh, we are control. Red. Yeah, that was a we, huge red. Yeah, we last night in we Arkansas. Can, we we control the uh, the House. We control the Senate by supermajorities. And uh, so, you know, Arkansas, we, we're doing it right. And we're all big Trump supporters as well. Mm-hmm. What did you think so about what, the, what did you think about the I, president today? What, what he said about Mia Love? That was one race that I was really stunned that she lost in Utah. She lost in Utah as a conservative because she didn't embrace Trumpism. There are some 
certainly some shifting winds in, in pockets of states that have traditionally been very red. Utah is one of them. I think a lot of people have kind of thought, you know, North Carolina could be one of them, although I would argue it's, it's a, bit, a bit more purple nowadays, too. But it's true. I mean, that the country's shifting, and, and with that means that some pockets of the country aren't as red um, or, um, or you know, conservative as they once were. And I think Mia Love um, it was in one of those districts where, um, to a certain extent, um, there were candidates and, and, and her opponent being one of them, but I think she could have embr- done a better job at, at, you know, embracing President Trump at times. Mm-hmm. But um, at the end of the day, candidates have to do what they think is best mm-hmm. and what they think is going to get them across the finish line. And, um, for the, you know, we've always left it up to the, to the discretion of the candidate to, to make that determination on their own and decide, you know, do I need to lean in or, or step back? Um, and so, again, every candidate makes that decision and, and the chips fall as they may. But all that to say, you know, we still had a very historic night last night. Yeah, you know? we really yeah. did. Talk a little bit about what we did in the Senate. Um, we can talk. We're going to talk about the House, everybody. So don't get all freaked out about it. <laughs> just, just remember, we went in on the battle for the House at a complete disadvantage because we have forty-four Republicans that retired. Basically, right. that's a huge number of retirements you got to co- uh, cover. But we came back. We we won Missouri in the Senate. We mm-hmm. won Indiana in that the Senate. That was huge. We won Florida. We won North Car- uh, North Dakota. I mean, we did very well. Mm-hmm. We did. And, and to your exact point, there were some odds stacked against us. Um, you know, the massive number of GOP retirements, it was 43, not to mention the fact that um, the power of the incumbency is a real thing, and that provides a big boost to candidates. That was something that we did not get to really tap into like mm-hmm. we have in the past. And Democrats still outraised, out-fundraised GOP candidates in certain districts um, on a scale of five to one in some House races. And so there was a bit of a, of a green a green money wave for some Democrats that we had to overcome. But that aside, the fact that we picked up any seats in the Senate at all this midterm cycle is, is historic in itself. You, you mentioned when I was listening um, there have only been four midterms since 1934 that a president's party mm-hmm. has picked up a Senate seat. So the fact that we didn't lose a seat, let alone gained a number of them, is is historic. And, and I think that just speaks to the power of President Trump, and it speaks to um, the RNC's efforts to really have the most expansive, largest ground game ever. We had a really strong field operation in place across the country. Um, we had some over 25,000 different volunteers um, that were helping us get our candidates across the finish line. And, and that type of infrastructure matters. And, and again, we saw that play out last night. Now, we're talking with the uh, Republican National Convention uh, Deputy National Press Secretary, Blair Ellis, uh, now here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We'll ask her some more questions about the election. Did you have anything that you wanted to Yeah, I, well, I was going to address um, what she said. Hi, I'm Shelly. It's nice to talk to you. Um, hey, Shelly. Thank you for having yeah. me on. Oh, yeah. We're very excited. Um, you know, I... <laughs> Losing the house, okay, obviously that hurts, but it hurts more so because it's Trump that's president, and we know what this means than winning the house. But if you really do look at the overall, like it wasn't a big night for Democrats, it really wasn't. And to me, I'm trying to make heads and tails of what all happened. I I kind of mm-hmm. lean towards like what you're saying. There are so many retiring. It's kind of like the perfect storm for them to take over the house. And it wasn't like they just blew the doors open, taking over the house, and they just you know railroaded the Republican. I mean, right? They just won the house by you know what? Uh, I mean, I don't I don't know all the math, but it wasn't like 
huge numbers blow out numbers, but it just seems like really, I think it, it seems like we are still a, a country that supports Trump, and you can see that in the statewide races as well, governors and things like that, except for a few. But um, I just think it was kind of the perfect story for Democrats that the 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 fact that there were so many retiring and whatnot, mm-hmm. and the power of the incumbency is very real, as you said. And so, you know, a few Democrats mm-hmm. won last night, a few more than Republicans in, in the House, and that's kind of what happened. It wasn't a referendum on Trump. I mean, just like you said, look at the Senate. Mm-hmm. Totally. And, and you're spot on in your, in your analysis. You know, we knew history was against us. We knew what the headwinds, the uphill headwinds that we were facing. Traditionally, the party that's in power loses, um, you know, upwards of 35, 40 seats on average. Mm-hmm. Um, I think during Obama's first midterm when he was in office, he lost 60 seats. Yep. Um, oh, yeah. So it just goes to show that we staved off a, a what Democrats tried to frame as a huge blue wave. I mean, yeah. we heard politicos and pundits on the left really seize on this claim for months that this blue wave would just descend across our nation and bring about massive Democrat victories. Um, but we saw last night that, you know, we proved otherwise. We yeah. saved off a blue wave and it was because of um, the two, you know, the, the money that we've raised and the largest ever ground game. And that matters and candidates matter still too. But um, because we had that infrastructure in place and because we had a chairwoman and we have a, a, the RNC and we have the president who is really getting out there, rallying voters, drumming up that enthusiasm. Um, we really kind of pushed off what I think a lot of people thought was going to be a total wipeout. Like an, yeah, like just a blowout. A victory. Yeah, it wasn't mm-hmm. even close. Mm-hmm. And it really, you know, when you think about it, you know, I mean, last night, of course, I was just like, oh, my God, <laughs> the world's going to end. You know, it's over. But then they started listening to me, Blair. Yeah. And I calmed everybody down. I got a down. dose of rush. And then I came in here with Dave. I'm like, OK, OK, OK. So it's going to be OK. But um, but yeah, it just it wasn't in the blue wave, by the way, they started talking about last December, which is the kind of thing where, you know, let's just keep saying it and then it'll catch on and then, you know, then it, get it in their heads and then it'll come true. You know, that kind of thing. And they actually started saying that last mm-hmm. December, almost a year ago, a year before this this election. And I mean, if anything, it was a red wave, or a, you know, the red, right. you know, and the people that that didn't show Trump love, like Trump pointed out in the press conference, they lost. Hey Blair, did you see the president's uh, uh, tweet today? He said, uh, "If the House wants to open up all these investigations, sp- <laughs> spending taxpayers' money." Just think of all the investigations we can do about uh, government secrets being leaked uh, in the Senate. Yeah. Two can play at this game. That was his tweet today. Did you see that? I did see that. And I think it just, again, we saw last night and a lot of those national exit polls, um, we saw what the American people want and what they don't want. And what they don't want is a Democrat House or a Republican House to come in and um, start launching all these investigations, mm-hmm. launching all these. Um, and that's not what they want. They don't want a bomb throwing house. They want a house that's going to work with the Senate to keep the economic comeback continuing. Yep. Yeah. And, and if, if they're under any kind of other impression, they're going to be sorely mistaken. Um, it's time for the Democrats at this point to come to the table and work with Trump and Republicans to 
secure our border, to move our country in the right direction, to keep our economy strong. Um, the resist and obstruct strategy that we saw the Democrats playbook kind of, you know, play with over the last couple mm-hmm. months, over the last two years, didn't work. And and I think at this point now that they have this majority um, in the House, they need to show that they know how to govern. They need to show that they know how to work nicely and play well with others. Yeah, um, and they don't. The people expect. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll be honest. Otherwise. Yeah. Blair, I got to be honest with you. They'll overreach like they always do. Yeah, the Democrats they don't have, any have other always play. done this. Maxine Waters and the crazies that they got that are out there in front of the cameras all the time. That it's for us to use that for 2020. And as far as 2020 goes, I know it's early, but I know that you guys are out kind of uh, doing a a post-mortem right now. When do you start uh, gearing up for 2020? That's got to happen here within a couple of weeks. Oh, we, you know, it's definitely something that we're thinking about. It's, we're thinking about it big time today, but we've been thinking about it for the last couple of months as well. Um, it's, you know, only a matter of weeks, I think, at this point until we start seeing some Democratic challengers announce uh, their run for, for office. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a couple of them roll out their campaigns before Christmas. And mm-hmm. if not Christmas, I think within the first month of January, um, at this point, they, you know, it's going to be just kind of a, a race to see who who um, who jumps in front of the other um, in terms of kind of trying to mark their territory. But yeah. it, you know that's definitely something that we are already cognizant of. We are um, we are tracking and monitoring um, people that we think will make announcements, and and that's something that we've absolutely got our eyes and our ears on right now. Blair Ellis, thank you so much for giving us a few moments of your time. I know everybody wants to talk to you. I'll let you go give you the rest of your interviews, and we'll talk to you in the near future. You are too kind. Thanks for having me on, y'all. Hope you have a great rest of your afternoon. All right. Bye-bye now. Blair Ellis here on the Dave Ellswick Show. News is next, and we'll be back to continue the talks. So President Obama is speaking now about uh, the election last night. Let me just read what he had to say. Former U.S. President Barack Obama spoke of his pride Wednesday over Democratic gains made in the midterm congressional elections, but warned the battle for much-needed reforms had only just begun. Well, I would guess so. You only control the House by, what, three or four seats? Mm -hmm. And you don't control the Senate, and you don't don't control the White House. Mm -mm. You lost seats in the Senate, and you you had all the winds blowing in your sails for the House, and you still... Barely, couldn't do yeah, it. I mean. You couldn't do it. So Democrats won the House of Representatives, but Republicans increased their majority in the Senate in an election which revealed a country still sharply divided along party lines. He says, our work goes on. The change we need won't come from one election alone. But that's what Pelosi and all of them were telling you. There was going to, And the left media was telling you there was going to be this huge, massive Mm -hmm. tsunami of blue rushing across the United States of America, and uh, the Democrats uh, were going to be in control of the House and not just barely in control. They, it was going to be. Oh, yeah, they were going to take it over. Trump was going to be the last man standing. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they honestly believed that they were going to be able to win the Senate. I could have told you that a long time ago. It wasn't going to happen. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm hopeful that going forward, we'll begin a return to the values we expect in our public life. Honesty, 
Yeah, you can keep your doctor if you want to keep your doctor. You remember that kind mm-hmm. of honesty, decency, how the IRS targeted the Tea Party groups, that, that kind? Compromise. Remember the compromise on Obamacare? Yeah, that kind of compromise. Mm-hmm. And standing up for one another, unless we won't stand with you if you happen to be white, as Americans, not separated by our differences, but bound together by one common creed. You can stop laughing. Okay. <laughs> wipe the, if you're driving, pull over, please, and wipe tears from your eyes. All right, because I know <laughs> you're laughing so hard. It's, it's just blowing you away right now. Uh, he urged supporters to reflect on how the victory was secured. Yeah, 44 Republicans happened to re- you know, retire at once in the House. If it hadn't been for that, uh, yeah, we'd still I have mean, the House right that now. That is so true. If only half of them hadn't gone, uh, we'd still have the House. By uh, competing in places we haven't been competitive in a long time. I still haven't found that. <laughs> um, what else did he have to say here? And by electing record numbers of women and young veterans of Iraq and Afghanistan. I guess that you got, now we'll see a, you know, a rush by the Democratic Party <clears throat> to find veterans that are Democrats. A surge of minority candidates. You've been doing that forever. Mm-hmm. and a host of outstanding young leaders. The more Americans who vote, the more our elected leaders look like America. Uh, mumbo-jumbo. You want to you take over while I go puke? <laughs> I really, seriously. And then I'll go after you. Yeah. This is just... just um, yeah, I mean, know. it's just it's like... I mean... He hasn't changed. She is never going no. to change. You know, his whole thing is, uh, you know identity politics it is you know it's like we were talking last night um from the pieces i could hear without the headset <laughs> i'm so glad i have a headset today um you know it's like jim morgan was saying and i don't remember how we got on the topic but this uh, you know when do we get to quit checking the boxes that i am the i am black i am white i am american indian i am you know whatever Government creates this whole uh, race, racial tension, racism. The whole they create it by telling you, uh, you know, that you're different. You know, I mean, it's like if we could just quit. I mean, they'll never do it, but you know, who cares what you are? You're a human being. There's one race, the human race, and uh, but yeah, we got off on that last night, and uh, you know, I couldn't agree more with Jan when she said that about checking the boxes you're constantly checking those boxes yeah they are they do it all the time this is a story off of news.trust.org i have no idea (laughs) who these people are uh let the 2020 white house race begin tuesday's election sounded the starting gun for a long crowded expensive and no doubt dramatic race for the presidency democrats it's a left-leaning writer, as you read this yeah, part. Of this. Riding a wave of momentum <laughs> from their gains in the U.S. House of Representatives, they don't. Whatever momentum they have, as soon as they start, uh, they already had the guy, uh, the senior leader from the the House for the Democrats, say, "We want to know why Sessions was fired, and it better be a good reason, mm-hmm. or this is start impeachment hearings on the mm-hmm. president." Yeah. Yeah, that's what you wanted to hear. They told you they wouldn't do that, didn't they? Yeah, they, that, that's what they told you, but that's what they had in mind all the time because that's what they do. They lie. 
Hey, and Dave. Yes. I got bad news for you. What is the bad news? I'm the operations manager around here at this uh, Salem Media Outlet. Yes, sir. I'm fired. But, well, no. No, You're okay. Not. All right. Not right now. Okay, good. Not yet. <laughs> I'm just saying it's it's amazing to me. That, Keep questioning my authority. Right. There you go. I got to watch it, don't I? All right. More than two dozen possible contenders. Listen who the number one contender they see. Do you, is the trash can over by there? <laughs> are you? Is, is your tra- is it. your is your you got a paper bag over there, Russ? No, Here I got my go. purse. <laughs> who, who do you who do you think they think the number one contender for the Democratic nom- nomination for twenty twenty? Who do you think? You... Russ is saying he's got his hand up. Who for twenty twenty? Yeah, for the Democrats. Yes, Beto O'Rourke. No. Who do you think, Russ? Hold on, let me get another guess. Yeah, <laughs> Maxine. No, it's no. not Maxine Waters. Uh, that would be an interesting race, to say the least. Now, how about former Vice President Joe Biden? Oh, Uncle boy. Joe. They're saying that's who their number one pick is. And, and they say, and a gaggle of that's senators, all they got. senators, governors, mayors, and business leaders have been jockeying for months to line up donors and evaluate their shot at the party's nomination. Awaiting the winner? will almost certainly be President Donald Trump. I will tell you, it's 99.9999999 to affinity that it'll be Trump. But I'll predict their nominee is going to be, against Trump's going to be Cory Booker. That's my prediction as far as that goes for the Democratic nomination. You don't think it's be Warren? No. (sighs) Well, okay. I know you're making Mm -hmm. a joke. No, I I mean, I do. I see a Booker. I see young Obama. She's going to run. Oh, well, she'll run, yeah. Of course she will, and so will some other I can't other wait crazies. for their first debate. Oh, I know. It'll be so fun. Yeah. Trump loomed over Tuesday's midterm elections, fueling uh, turnout among Democrats eager to reject him and driving many Republican candidates to pledge support for him or else face a backlash from their <laughs> conservative base. Democrats are already wrestling with questions about which candidate's strategy and approach are most likely to beat Trump. In November of 2020. By the way, it'd be November 3rd, just so you know. Many Democrats are expected to jump in the race early within the next few months. I just can't wait. This is going to be fun. <laughs> Whoever emerges from the grueling state-by-state Democratic nominating process, which kicks off in Iowa in early 2020, will have to stand up to the pugilistic Trump while developing an appealing alternative agenda and uniting the party, sometimes feuding progressive and establishment wings, Democrats said. Here's what I think that they're what they should run on. Everything is free. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Free stuff for everybody. Yeah. All free stuff in everybody's pot. Yeah. And on top of that, we'll put pot in your pot. <laughs> <laughs> well, Ocasio Cortez, you know, I mean, she's already saying, you know, that. Uh, even to be, we should be paying the government should be paying for for funerals like or even even dying should be free you know well, yeah. no, no no she was asked the other day about how the government was supposed to pay for uh continuing education or secondary what what is it uh collegiate college education the same way they pay for k through 12 that's how mm-hmm 
I, I mean, with it's, the tax money that we already spend on it. Yeah, and it's so painful to listen to her. I mean, it's truly painful. It's just like it's almost like nails going down a chalkboard. You know, you just like. <sighs> now here's what uh, other people are saying. You just got to. Re- there will be a lot for Democrats to work through this time," said Jennifer Palamiri. She was, by the way, the communications director for Hillary Clinton's 2016 failed presidential candidate. I said that. They didn't say it. Uh, Quote, it's not just finding the person who can beat Trump, but also the person who has a vision for unifying the country. Okay, now let me just say, out of the two things that she just said there, one was true and one was pure bovine excrement. It's just not finding the person who can beat Trump. Well, that's kind of bovine excrement, too, because that's the only thing that matters to them right now is beating Trump. That's it. Because finding somebody who has a vision for unifying the country, they could care less. No, they don't want to. They don't want to unify a country. All they want to do is unify everybody who wants your money and my money to to, to give to people who want And they got the house last night. It's not going to be good enough. Nothing's good enough, you know. And here's here's a, a new one for you. Even the losing campaigns of unabashed liberals, read that, communists, all right? Communists, mm-hmm. please. You can don't have to even call them liberals anymore. They're beyond liberalism. Uh, Andrew Gillum, who lost his bid to be the first African-American governor of Florida. Thank God. So they were, see, they oh, were gosh. running that as he was going to be like the first African-American governor, and that was just a bald-faced lie. They started with that, and then they finally switched it and said, no, we didn't mean it that way. He'll be the first African-American governor of Florida, as though that is some huge, huge historical thing. And Beto O'Rourke, who became a grassroots sensation, but fell short in his U.S. Senate bid in conservative Texas, offered lessons on how to run strong races on Trump-friendly turf. Okay, let me... Where did he come from, by the way? Who is he? He's a, a state legislator. Okay, because I mean, he came on the national scene like no, but I mean, his race got a lot. You know why? Ted Cruz is a a big deal, but uh, you know, well, because he gave he was actually giving Ted Cruz a run for his money. Yeah, but why? (sighs) That's what I can't figure out. What What do I always tell you? Money. Well, money is yes, yes, yes. Mother's milk of politics. No, but I was talking about as far as like the people that Did you actually see how much money voted for him. Like that's what I don't. Well, get, they but. but they had time to to spend a gazillion dollars basically, mm-hmm. and that's what they did. Uh, they spent much more than Cruz did, and uh, you got all these. They did, these, yeah. Wow, and you got all these leftist groups now that have formed up. And they're out there spreading all kinds of yeah. lies to the to the general voter. I'm going to tell you the next election, it's going to be beholden upon you, uh, the uh, the voter, to keep yourself very well uh, educated mm-hmm. on topics. I mean, Texas and Florida, uh, they scare me. And you know, I know I don't live in Florida. <laughs> and the reason they scare you is because what? What has happened in Florida, and it's been going on a long time, a lot of snowbirds. Our guys won in Florida and Texas, but not by much. A lot of snowbirds coming from up north. In Texas, uh, it's not illegal aliens that are to worry. It's the legal kind from California. Yeah. It's the same thing in Arizona. 
And that's you think it's just the them way. though? Like I feel like there's something else that we just hadn't. I can't quite put my finger on, but I mean that's scary. I mean we need Texas, we need Florida. Like we can't lose. And the, the Ted Cruz barely eked by. So basically, almost half of the people who voted yesterday in Texas have lost their mind. And same for Florida, even though DeSantis squeaked by. You right. know. Well, we're going to take a break here. We're going to talk. we got more to talk yeah, about. Yeah, I mean, we need so we'll those states. That. We have to have them. All right. Yeah. You're going to stick around to uh, let the car guys do their 4 o'clock hour, and then you're going to stick around 5 o'clock yeah, hour? I can. Okay. Yeah, I'll go outside. Go out and have a smoke. Smoke, 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 smoke <laughs> cigarette or two. <laughs> yeah, have a, have I've been deprived over the last uh, 24 hours. No brownies, Shelly. Yeah, but yeah, no brownies. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Just uh, stick around with us, and we'll come back. We'll have a few minutes, and then Joe and, and Duck are going to be here as well it is the dave ellswick show stick around we got more to talk about all right back he was pointing the fickle finger of fate at me oh that hurt didn't it did you did you throw it out did you throw it out russ did you throw your finger out as you threw my whole arm out. <laughs> you couldn't see it on on uh, russ is large the live, and in charge the live here. shot here I gotta, I gotta give you something in just a minute for you to read, Russ. That you'll, you'll get some great entertainment out of. Just put it that way. All right, back with you here on Dave Ellswick Show. I got to go back to that story because there was something else that I wanted to read from it that okay. was was interesting. Because this guy, who whoever this man or woman is that wrote this, is uh, just hilarious to me. Where where are we looking at here? Where was that story? Where did my story go? It must be down here. Come on, bring it up, bring it up. That it it, it lost the story. But anyway, it went into talking about how uh, how many women got involved because they hate Trump, mm-hmm. you know. And so think about how many women are going to be running for president. And, I, and they I heard, named yes, Warren. I and uh, they said even uh, what's her name, the, the socialist out of New York, Ortez. Yeah, that she's going to run, and uh, they just went down. There was like six or oh, seven. Oh gosh, she's of already them. running for prayer. I mean, yeah, the of girl course had, she uh, hasn't even cast one vote uh, yet. Sh- All right, we got John and Benton. He wants to talk to us. Hey, John, how are you? Doing pretty good. Hey, in regards to the snowbirds that you were referring to. Yes, sir. Uh, Dr. Ben Carson, I'm not sure if it was him or if it was a friend of his, but he was referring to all these people that were migrating from California to Texas, and they were admiring all, all the infrastructure, like the schools. They said that everything's awesome here. You know, like taxes are low. You know, the one thing that you don't have enough of, though, is Democrats. <laughs> yeah, there's a reason why we got great mm-hmm. infrastructure and why all the things low taxes because we don't have a lot of Democrats. Yeah. How's that? Yeah, it was just a funny anecdotal story. I just wanted to share it with you. Yeah, yeah. it's great. It's a per- it's a perfect kind of story because the problem is those people have moved from California and they. And they truly love coming to Texas because taxes are low and this and that. But then they coming to Arkansas too. Yeah. There's a lot of Californians moving to Arkansas. But then what do they want? 
They want things to be like it was in California. I know, but you know, I have met a handful of these people from California, and they really they do come here for the better man. You know, that especially whatever they're doing for a living is, is you know, and the cost of living well, is so much cheaper. And they're actually reason. conservative. They're actually conservative. So, I mean, obviously, you're, you're going to have both. They're coming from Orange County, but well, they might be coming from <laughs> Orange County. I don't know which part, but. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I don't know, but like I said, Texas and and Florida, the the demographic there is scaring me pretty bad. For our, yeah, I just uh, that, that that many people. Yeah, vote what did I tell you last night? Because I don't live in Florida, yeah, and I don't, don't worry about. It. No, I wasn't. Tell, that's that that was one thing I said. That <laughs> you shouldn't be as worried about that as we are here, because the the um, political field that is closest to you has the most effect on you. Of course, so state of course, government, of local course, government. yes. But the, the bottom line of it was everybody was freaking out. It was like the polls had only closed for like an hour, uh, and everybody's going, look at Gillum. It's like blowing him out. You know, DeSantis is getting killed. I said, folks, there's two time zones in mm-hmm. Florida. One is Eastern, and that's, you know, Miami mm-hmm. and Broward County and all those areas where it's real blue mm-hmm. i said now watch it as the polls close across the panhandle yes yes and they did and that's when desantis just came on like yeah buster yeah and uh, as usual the panhandle carried it for him yes yes did a great God. job yeah yeah great job yeah it was close closer than i like it yeah but, it was uh, really close but, that was know, tech crisis yeah when you're when you're playing you know, these kind of politics that they do, and yeah, you need to vote for a certain person because of their color. Yeah. Not because yeah. are they the best person to do the job, yeah. but just because they're the best color. I could care less about that. that you know? I agree yeah, I with know you. you the same way. I mean, I could absolutely care. Like, I would love... I would love to vote for a, a African African American woman for president I, if it's the right Candelisa person. Candelisa Rice. I love if her. If she runs, I, I probably mean, could get behind her. Yeah. I always said about Obama, I can vote for a black man. I have no problem. Yeah, just with not that, that one, but not that guy. Uh. Uh-uh. I mean, not no with way. his ideas. And, you know, the Democrats they'll say, you know, they they are the supposedly the party of the minority and whatnot. But then you, the first second you get a a uh, level-headed, a very intelligent uh, African-American woman or man, and they're spouting a conservative viewpoint. You remember when they what they called Condoleezza Rice? Yeah, well, I don't remember, but I know they Aunt were Shemima. horrible to her. Yes, I do remember. Okay, yes, and they were horrible to her. Horrible to yeah. her, and sure. I mean, and you know, they used to be horrible to Colin Powell till he switched parties. Oh yeah, and now, now he's, he's, a, a, he's a darling. A yeah, yes. he's a bomb. Yeah. All right, a break. Uh, Shelly's going to come back at five. We've got uh, Carol Cruz going to join us from over in Faulkner County. We're going to talk to her about her big victory yesterday yes. for being prosecuted. Hey, Elizabeth and is we'll excited. talk about a lot she of other things. Me, yeah. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back with more. We've got Joe and Duck coming up here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, I'm, real quick, I want you all to go. <sighs> what a relief. Yes, we're home. Right. glad to be home. I want you yeah, I, I just want everybody to go. Like that, because this hour, I'm not going to talk about politics. Oh, yeah, we will. <laughs> oh, well. Not the way I've been talking about it. Yeah. But yesterday, man, it was like nine hours straight of nothing politics. 
every moment. That's a long day. It is a long day. My head feels kind of mushy today, to be honest <laughs> with you. When I can't when I can't remember who the mayor of Little Rock is, it's total, by the way. But uh, not anymore. Uh, yeah, not yeah. Did one of them get enough no, points? No, they all got to have runoff. Scott and, uh, and and was it Curris Baker Curris? Yes, they will be in a runoff. Neither one of them got the forty percent. They both got about what was it, about twenty six and twenty nine percent. Russ, 38 and. 28. Oh, was it? Okay, Scott got, what, the uh, 38? 38. Yeah. So he needs to get himself to find two. He needs to find over 50% now to get to down to two. So it would be interesting. Or he just needs to win. He needs to get one more vote than whatever Curtis has. Well, the worst that part is fun. that runoff, half the people will vote this time did last time. Yeah. 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 You know. That would yeah. be interesting. Uh, I, I but didn't I say, I, I told Russ, I told him that would be the two people in the runoff, and it is. Everybody said, Warwick. Nope. Saban yeah. is he's done. He needs to go find himself a real job now. <laughs> That's what he's got to do. Move on, huh? All right. Enough about politics. <laughs> See? We said we weren't going to talk about yeah, it. We just did it. So, yeah. Can't get away from it. It's just it's in my blood. It's in yes. my DNA. But the I tell you, Republicans did hold the Senate, though. Yes, we did. Well, we didn't hold it. We, we added, added four to seats it. to yeah. it. And and what's impressive about that, I don't know if you listened to my last – I had uh, one of the uh, folks from the RNC on. Uh, first time uh, since 1930-something that they've added at least one seat in. He held – he put in four seats, Yeah, this president did, and came close to holding the House. Yes. I mean, it basically, uh, if we could have put together another three or four wins last night, we'd have still have control of the House. I would have liked to seen it just so if you thought it was bad when Trump won and Hillary lost, last night if the House had gone our way and and we gained in, in the Senate, I think there would have been a, a, like a, a lemming kind of experience. People may have started just running off of cliffs places. <laughs> I'm just saying. The, the left is, have, has lost their minds. They really have. Yes. They're, and now they're, they're saying the huge, huge victory repudiates President Trump. Please. Please. Just, just all of you shut up because I, 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 I'd let you gloat if you had something really to gloat about. All right? But you don't. That's all right. But they got Nancy Pelosi. She was gloating up there last oh, night. Oh, she was gloating. Yeah. Did you see her doing her dance? Mm-hmm. Yeah. She was just happy She didn't when she said that they were going to win the House that she didn't make that prediction on Hillary's uh, fireworks barge. <laughs> I'm just saying. Yeah. All right. You guys went last week off to to lost wages. How well, how how much fun did you have? I had a great time. Me and Joe and uh, we you know we had a good time. Yeah, we had a great time. Went to the uh, bumper to bumper convention every three years, and we went to the Apex show and the SEMA show, and uh, sent a lot of new technology and learned a lot of things. Went to a couple training classes and walked around, looked at the sites. 
gambled a little bit, won a little bit, lost a little bit, come home a loser. So, hey. <laughs> Fit guess, right in the category. I guess, I guess that's, good that's the way it's supposed to be. Always know? come back a loser from Vegas. That's why they call it lost wages. So you guys tell me, what was the newest technology that you saw that you went, Wow. Well, for me, it was some of the the combustion engines they got coming out in it. Doug. Yes, and and yeah. gonna be wild looking. Yes, I the, mean uh, the way they're doing them, and and you know some of the <coughs> other some of the other stuff like the stop start technology. Uh, I went to that training class. Stop start. Stop start. Stop start. Okay. Even on a gas engine, it's not a hybrid. It's just a stop start technology. You pull, you pull up, up to a car, car to a stop sign, and the engine shuts off. And then it starts itself. All you got to do is let your foot off the brake and touch the gas pedal, and boom, it automatically restarts. They're not just using starters to do that with now. They're starting to use it where the crank sensor knows exactly where the the uh, crankshaft is. They'll spray a little bit of fuel in that cylinder that the piston's up on. And ignite and it. They'll ignite that spark to help that engine get running again. And you and, and it takes a lot of the vibration out of it, so you potentially you can't even feel the engine start or stop because they do use different motor mounts and everything to cushion that motor and the reason they're doing that because i'm into this this is a normal cool sounding a normal starter wouldn't wouldn't hold up you know starting and stopping like that. so that's why they had to do it with spraying the fuel in there yes and you know letting it load like that uh that way they don't use a starter and we also i was me and Tracy had walked down one afternoon was going to go walking and this car pulls up at the red light out of the motel parking lot and i look the car ain't got no driver i look again and the driver's sitting on the passenger side so it was a google car yep and there was two people in the back so they had a driverless vehicle there and they had, had a bunch real of people in them had a bunch of them oh i had a bunch of them yeah. are they all taxis uh, i don't know if they were just uh testing the vehicles or if they were using them as taxis i i, I don't know the names on the side of them, and and they were painted all checkerboard looking, yep. so you could ID them real easy. I guess that's a visual aid for folks. You if know, you're thinking about crossing the street. Yeah, in front of wait a that goes by. <laughs> you know, yeah. Hold up, really? There was no driver in that car. Well, it kind of, you know, it, when because I was standing, and you know, when you kind of glance over, then I, I look back the second time. I thought, nah, I can't be. And I, you know, and I look back, and this guy was sitting on the passenger side, and. He he Did had he wave his, at you. Yeah, he had his little clipboard there. He was you know he was doing stuff on the clipboard. Making notes. Yeah. And what what uh, it was doing? Did it pull away from the stop smoothly and that kind of stuff? Oh yeah. But now the taxi cab behind him. Yeah. Th- this thing wasn't quick enough for the taxi cab. He was he's blowing his horn. He was blowing his horn and <laughs> hollering, at, hollering at him. You know what stuff. that computer said? I don't care. Nothing. <laughs> we uh. We rode in a couple of taxis. We regretted, didn't we, Doug? Hey, that ain't no lie. Yeah, some of them guys, they just uh, they drive wild now. They're in such a hurry to get you out of their car so they can get to another stop. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're hanging on to the oh, crap angle handles in the back on one of yeah. them. Yeah. Right? like, come on, guy. He's, he's, <laughs> he, was, mm-hmm. he wasn't weaving, cutting in and out. Uh, oh, it, he'll be from here to that wall behind the taxi, and it'll move up a little bit. He'll floor it and then slam brakes on. No, no. Yeah. We, had, we had one of them rides too. It's a, oh. they, uh, like you know. Come on, man. You can make this a little bit more enjoyable. But they act like, like they're, you know, in such a big hurry to get from one stop to the next, get some more money. So okay. Anyway. So what did you say? See as far as electric cars go, because they're always talking about 
it's like next year is when it will make the big switch. You know what I'm saying? Well, at the SEMA show, they had a few of the electric cars that me and her walked by and looked at. But, I mean, there was no more than what the Prius is now or, you know, they, if the, you know a lot of the same technology they're still using. Um, they're still working on all that. It's, you know, it's better than it was. Is it is it still a decade away? Probably not. I, Probably not. I, I figure so. three or four more years. Yeah. I, I, you know, you're, you're, you see such a big, massive increase in, in battery life and charge times. And that's, that's what this is all about, in my opinion. They get those batteries down because the batteries in the beginning, uh, were, you know, e- e- even a hybrid battery today has got cells in it and they're individual battery cells. They're C, uh, DC. D cell batteries. And they're they're actually they're they're flat ones about like this. I've yeah. got one at the shop, but but you know, and if you look at the state of charge on one of them with a scanner, you can say, all right, I got a problem with number sixteen and a problem with number eighteen. You can actually replace those two cells those without two cells. replacing that battery. The whole battery. That's correct. Well, and, when they first come out, they use D cells. Yes, and you had to replace the whole thing. And and so they're evolving, but you know what the battery's made out of today? Yeah. yeah. That's got a lot to do with a how lot. quick this is going to go because the problem's always been what your complaint is, Dave. It'll only go a hundred miles, and then you got to charge it up for eight hours. Yeah, you're right. I but no way I'd even think if about you could get two and a half out of it and tar- charge it in three, you'd be in, wouldn't you? Maybe not. Well, still you might be because yeah. they get when they, when they can get. Me that's a round. That's a round go. trip to your house four times. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, but that's only if I want to drive between work and here. I mean, yeah. What about when I want to go on a cross country trip? Yeah. You know, when I want to go down to, to you know, Panama Beach, that's yeah. a thirteen hour ride. I understand. You go three hours and eat while it's charging, and you go another three hours. And eat. <laughs> <laughs> but now Toyota has they're one working that, on that. Okay. Toyota right. has one out right now that I've seen at the show, and they say it it will go uh, three hundred fifty miles. Yeah, that's about six, seven miles right yeah, there. Yeah, on one charge. Yeah. Yeah. Still still not – until they can recharge it. Going down the road. Yeah. Or the solar. And just keep, yeah, and keep it just keep it charged. I don't understand why they can't just draw power and return power from the kinetic energy that they're using on the car itself. Well, they do that with the brakes and, and, and a lot of things on there. But, you know, it's back to your perpetual motion thing. And you, you, you can't generate – Enough. Well, you always generate less than what you use. Yeah. Where is Rube Goldberg? You know? I mean? <laughs> I'm just. But spe- Dave, speaking of this start and stop technology, that Joe, you know, we're talking about on cars. They say in 2025 that 18 wheelers have the same technology. Uh, they're they're going to pull up to the stops. Okay, so stop now line. we're talking seven years. Yeah. Now <laughs> your your automobiles will be in, quicker than that in 2020. They're all twenty one. About 60, 70, 80 percent of them will be start to Yeah. Well, I kind of like that. I like the idea of that. I mean, I've heard it with electric cars and batteries, but, but I never had heard it using a regular combustion engine. So I asked the guy out there, I said, okay, you can do this start-stop deal. And so what are we going to do with the AC unit? Yeah. And it'll be a 100 percent electric AC compressor. Well, okay. they're, doing, they're doing that, and they're using a little bit of uh, – uh, electric water pumps mm-hmm. that run off an auxiliary battery right yeah. now. It's not off the engine battery that does the the start, start or stop, stop and yeah. go, but it's the uh, 
Like, for instance, if you pull up there and you're in traffic and your engine shuts off, well, the water quits flowing, so that heater core is going to get cold, cool. Quickly. So they have to put a little electric motor on that, a uh, little electric pump on it, keep that hot water flowing through there. And they've been using these uh, cool bags inside the evaporator cores for yep. right now. So, you know, just like you put it in your ice box and then you put it in your lunch box. Yeah. One of those. Well, the AC unit has one of those in it, so it'll still blow cool air for a certain amount of minutes before it starts turning warm. <coughs> then it lights back up, and then it starts cooling it back off. Now, there's a lot of overrides, though, too. You know, if you got any codes in anything, it overrides it. It won't do it. If you leave the AC blower on high, it won't start, stop. Well, yep. And and so it's it's got a lot of different... <coughs> well, I looked... The, the guy had a electric compressor there. We was... Because... A lot of the 18-wheelers, they'll put a roof mount of what they call a red dot roof, to, you know, and I was talking to him about it, and I was, he had the unit sitting there, and he said, well, this is a new one that's coming out this year, coming out sometimes in January, and it'll have the compressors all made into it. And, yeah. I, and the, But my words to him was, okay, how many votes is this thing going to pull? Well, he told me, he said, it's going to be a 12-volt pull, and I said, all right, how many amps is going to pull? It's pulling something like 65 amps. And I said, you know, most trucks only have a 140, 150-amp alternator on it. He said, yes. If you put one of these on, you got to put a, a minimum of 200-amp alternator on it. Yeah, they, it, to it, pull it's, it without it's pulling the batteries so. down. But they're, okay. they're coming, I yeah. mean. And I asked him, I said, so when the compressor goes bad, how much did it cost to replace it? And he looked at me, and he said, that compressor sitting there is a $1,000 compressor. Well. Ouch. That's not – out of the norm for no. uh, AC kits today anyway. Nope. Like, for instance, if you have one that uh, comes apart inside. And you have to flush everything. Yeah, and, and by the evaporator, I mean, it's my expansion valve and the <coughs> condenser and all that, you're still looking at eight $900. So. Well, that ain't a problem. That's it. All right, so is it wrong of me to say with this new technology that you're talking about, and they're going to have it ready in four or five years, that – I don't want to buy a car with it for seven or eight. To let them work all the bugs out of it. Well, a, a lot of the start-stop cars have been out for a long time. About 30, I'm going to say from 2015. Now, it's real big in Europe. They've been doing it a lot longer than we have. Okay. So, I'm going to say that, you know, uh, worldwide, there's probably 20, 30% of them right now that are. But the, the, in the U.S. is growing, and it's going to grow quite quickly, take large steps in the next three or four years. All right. Everybody's coming out with it. Let's talk about something that comes to mind when you talk about all of this, and that happens to be McPherson and Raladine Oil. Yeah. All right. Are you Is your oil changes going to become even more vital when we have this new kind of technology on cars? Well, it always is because these engines are designed with the oil, the proper weight and what oil they want you to run in them, and they're all leaning towards a uh, synthetic, not a blend, a full synthetic, yeah. and the weights keep getting less. So they're going to have zero sixteens coming. It's already out in some models. Yeah, Honda's got it out right now. So, you know, but, but the thing to remember, quality oil is quality oil. If you, if you just like McPherson, they used to be uh, B&M there. They've changed brands. They're ExxonMobil now. Uh, you can still get a hold of Angel, and she'll fix you up if you need any of those products. Me and Duck, we moved uh, companies because we didn't want to change brands. We're still with the Haviland, uh, Chevron Haviland, and we like that product. It's fantastic. We like their uh, service we're getting from Jeffrey over there at Relodyne. He's yep. a good guy. 
and uh, we're going to hang out with them guys for a while, aren't we, Doug? Yep. They've uh, done a good job treating us fair. I mean, Angel always treated us fair. Oh I mean, yeah, she's great. She was she she's you know a good person. She, you know she doesn't done always done us a good job. But I'm like Joe. I didn't want to swap. I mean, I got my customers on what I got them on, and I don't want to you know go through it again. So we just decide we're going to stay with you know with the Chevron product. Okay, but the bottom line is, are are the what, what what's the word I'm looking for? The the measurements have been getting such so small. Yes. Well, the amount of oil, and they're going to get smaller. It sounds like to me. Yes, they are, because that the less oil you have in that motor, the less it slings around. The lighter the weight, the easier the crankshaft is to turn. It's all about fuel economy, and the tolerances are so much tighter, and the pumps are putting out so much more pressure. And just like the start-stop technology, there's some uh, those engines have a different type of oil filter that go on them because it has a check valve in it, so that oil won't back out of that motor. Yeah, yeah. do that if you stop the motor, because you've got to keep it lubricated. Yes, that's correct. And and so they're 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 making a lot of different changes in that area to go along with some of the the technology that they're putting in these engines today. You know, and one of the guys out there at the SEMA show I was talking to, and he was telling me that you know all your race cars has got electric oil pumps on them. And he said, he said, it's coming that your car will have electric oil pump on it. So when you start and stop, it's always got oil pressure. All right. Talking about the future (laughs) with Joe and Duck, they saw a lot of interesting things out in Vegas at the car show. They were out there with bumper to bumper at. We'll find out what else they saw when we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right. Back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. We got news coming up here in just a few moments, and when we uh, do that, uh, we'll bring you up to date on. I'm sure they'll be talking about Jeff Sessions resigning, and that the earth, the uh, Earth is coming to uh, an end somewhere <laughs> in its orbit. Uh, it's amazing in watching the news cycle work. Sometimes, I mean, it's like anything that happens, it is the end of the world, and the Democrats are running the microphone saying. Why did Trump do that? Is he going to stop Mueller and blah, 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 blah? Shut up and watch and find out what he's going to do next. And pay attention. Yeah, yeah, and pay attention. Why was everybody surprised? They've been talking about Sessions being fired for at least six months. At least. Every bit of that. All right, let's get to the news. That's coming up, and then I'll be back with Joe and Duck. More about the future of automobiles when we return on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, back with you here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Know that if you're looking for a career, you like to work with your hands, you like to work outdoors, there's one place that I can tell you is hiring right now, pay up to $20 an hour, and that's PI Roofing and Home Solutions because they're expanding their operations to better serve their customers as they grow They're uh, building in the commercial roofing and service division, the residential roofing and service division, and the home solutions division. Send them a uh, resume at piroofing.com. That's piroofing.com. Or you can give them a call, 501-707-3551. You don't have to worry about minimum wage when you talk about PI roofing. Make up to 20 bucks an hour uh, today. Give them a call. See if they got a place for you. That's uh, 501-707-3551. Duck and uh, Joe are here, and they were telling me, this kind of, this concerns me. You guys went in, you said, to a big, big room. 
big room. Okay. It's probably a three-acre room. Okay. Yes. Okay, that's not a room. That's a warehouse. Well. <laughs> okay, you guys walked basically. It's a convention. Yeah, a big hall. convention hall. And you were looking at parts and computer parts yes, and sir. all of that. Air conditioner compressors, and AC you, compressors. And you didn't find one maker of those parts that you guys knew who they were. They were all Chinese and Japanese. Is no, that no. what you were saying? No, no. no Asian. Most 90% yeah. of them in that room were Asian. They, you know, Korean. Taiwan, Japan, China. I walked up and down those roads. I went about seven or eight aisles. Now, when I say aisle, an aisle is probably uh, 150, 200 foot long. At least. Then you turn around and you come back. And both sides of that was covered with uh, part suppliers. And, and, you know, they're wanting you to come over there and sign up for their deal and get some of their literature. And they're giving away stuff and everything. But, you know, I... Had to go to the next room for you. Seen anything that we recognize as far as parts here in the U.S.? So, what does that tell you guys about other than something we've all known, and that is uh, China has been ripping off our technology for years? That's where our technology is. That's it. We, I mean, that's what I I told I told my wife I was walking with. I said, all this stuff right here is is lifted from the American. Yeah, because they force them to come over and they produce there, but to be able to produce there, you got to kind of agree to allow a shadow Chinese company work yep. with you and know all your schematics and everything. Yeah, no, I, Dave, the, we, the U.S. manufacturer went over there and took the equipment to do it, yeah. showed them how to use it, gave them the technology and said, build this for us. <coughs> how cheap can you do it? And then they, somebody else started a... Oh, yeah. The same kind of business. Satellite business. Got everything going. Yeah. And then they didn't have to do any of the R&D and everything and put the other company out of out of business mm-hmm. that came from the United States because they could undersell them. That's and, right. And, and another thing, too, they've, they've, they've done in the past, like, you know, you got something that, that's a pretty good seller. Well, they'll come in and buy it and send it back over there. That's and re- how and reverse engineer it. That's how Kubota tractor got here. Kubota tractor got off of a John Deere tractor. Really? They took they come bought a John Deere tractor and took it over there, and that's how Kubota tractor got started. Wow. Reverse engineering. Yep. And it's real, and that's what Trump talks about that he's trying to cor- he's correct. trying to trying to slow down, and you know, and you know. <coughs> Uh, you know, and I'm sure you know. In the long run, we're going to pay more, but you know, but we got to slow that down because it is killing the Amer- you know the the American manufacturer. Yeah, you know, you're losing. And and this is something my dad always told me. He said someone making five dollars an hour at McDonald's can't afford someone making a vehicle at fifty dollars an hour. You know, you 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 know, my dad always preached that to me. He said, you know, you you know, someone's building and they're paying them sixty, fifty, sixty dollars an hour. You can't afford to buy it if you're not, you know, making at least half of that wage. You know, and 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 that's what they're doing. They're stealing our technology and taking it over there. I mean, I've seen stuff that that's on trucks that's made by other people and identical to what we was looking at. Wow. And like I say, it wasn't no small room. It was a big room that we went in. And then you go over into the next room, and that's where you find Motocraft, AC Delco, Delphite, uh, Bosch, and that's where you find all them people at. 
And what did, could you see prices when you were no, doing? There's no, there's no prices on it. No, no prices on nothing. Okay, so just just the the, the product. The, the product. Yeah, call us and we'll tell you the price. Well, they, we'll work a deal. They they <laughs> want you to use their product because of the quality and everything. But you know, they different different parts places sell the same thing. You you can have. You can have a uh, AC Delco part, and it'd be sold in three or four different parts places in this town. Yeah, not just from one. I did ask one. <clears throat> there was a guy that was selling eighteen wheeler truck parts. He was selling brake shoes, uh, drums, uh, eight uh, coils for the airlines. You know, electric lines go from the truck to the trailer. Mm-hmm. And I just I I spouted off to him. I said a sixty six eight sixty four truck drum, which is basically what everything uses nowadays. It's a hub pilot drum. He looked at me. He said, "Yes, how many would you like to have?" And I said, "What are they a piece?" He said, "Forty-one dollars a piece, but you have to buy a pallet of them at a time." And I'm paying a hundred dollars a piece for them in the United States, but they're made in the United States. That's interesting. But if you buy bulk, you get a good break. Forty-one dollars a drum. What he told me, he said, "If you buy about a sixty pallet, bucks a pop, right?" Yeah, and it's a uh, twenty-four on a pallet. But yeah, then I the throw, then I throw this to him. Is it a balanced drum? Uh, no, I don't want it if it's not a balanced drum. They will drive you nuts if you put an unbalanced drum on a truck. If you don't, if it's not a balanced cut, you know where they got to cut the, the slots in it to balance it. Yeah, it will. You'll wind up taking them off, throw them in the dumpster. What does it do? Shape, noise, vibrate, vibration. You know, okay. and, and you know instantly when you if you put them on there and they're not balanced, you know instantly when they do it. Okay. And I've chased them before and finally just give up and throw them in the trash and put balanced drums on. All right. So, I don't buy nothing ain't balanced. So what else did you guys see? Start and stop, and, and what else? Anything else that was big, or was that the big deal that they were showing? Well, you're going to see uh, that all that technology's got a lot to do with water pumps. They're going with electric water pumps now. Uh, you know, you, you've got uh, because if they don't have a a belt on it to drag a, a manual impellered water pump, yeah, that increases that lessens the load on the engine and more fuel economy. Takes and, less horsepower. That to makes run it. sense. Okay, and and so, makes sense. so there's a lot of changes in areas like that that's coming. You know, and and the reason behind it all is fuel economy and. And the engine it, less work and load for the engine that equals more fuel economy. So, and longer lasting. That's it. Yeah, I don't well, know about longer lasting them electric pumps and them plastic. Oh propellers. yeah, They're, well, a lot you know, of trouble with it. It's kind of like you know the the electric power steering. You know what's it been out now, Joe? Uh, about five years. Yeah, I've been say six or seven years. Yeah. You know when they first come out, yeah, they had had some problems with them, but you know now you you very seldom see anything have problem out of them now, do you? No, they weren't good. You know, of course they they're still the same. If it's got any problem with it, you don't you don't yeah. do any you don't do anything to it. You can't buy a part for nope. you. It's a unit replacement, but Pull that's all right too. But the price on those unit replacements come down a whole bunch. Whole bunch. It used to be sixteen, eighteen hundred dollars or six, eight hundred bucks now. Yeah. So. Yeah, saves the consumer some, but that's yeah. because they've worked the bugs out. Yeah, and they, and they have. I mean, and it's like anything else, Dave. You know, it's going to take them a while to get all the bugs worked out of it. Well, yeah, but that's it, why I won't buy it the first few years. <laughs> I'll wait till they get them to get the bugs rolled. I learned that the hard way this last time when I bought my Acadia. Well, let's not talk about that too much because that refrigerator story still bothers me. <laughs> you know. Yeah, it really does. 
because you don't it, like it, my Samsung. Well, <laughs> you know, to try and to try and get the energy down. Uh, 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 you know, a self-defrosting refrigerator's got to have a heater element in, and it heats itself up in the freezer to keep the moisture out of there. Right. Well, they don't do that anymore. So guess what happens? Your ice maker freezes up. Right. So their option is, well, defrost it every six months. What's It says it's self-defrosting. <laughs> but, you know, to heat that element up, it's got, it's got energy efficiency goes down. So, you know... We don't put it in there because of that. All right. Well, that lets them not lie. They get to tell the truth. Kind of. Kind of. Something else I seen, Dave, at the SEMA show. Me and her was walking outside, walking around. They had these four teams. Her is the lovely wife that the duck has. Me and my wife. But we was walking through there, and they had these four teams of teenagers. Um, Well, yeah, they was teenagers. And they was building a 350 Chevrolet. And they was seeing who could build it to, and spend i had to spend over two full revolution and tear it back apart and put all the pieces back on the table wiped and clean you know and uh Teresa was you know we were standing there and was talking about it she said what are they doing i said they're they're doing it the hard way instead of loading two pistons at a time they're loading this side then they go over and load this side i said they can load two at a whack a whole lot quicker well the crank journals down yeah yeah and you can load you one on each side it. But they'd load the left side, then he'd go over and turn it again and load the, you know, load. And, uh, you know, she was questioning me about that. And I said, but, Teresa, they don't make them run. Oh, they just turn Had to turn two full revolutions in, in order. And then as soon as they turned the two full revolutions, the judge is standing and said, okay, tear it apart. So then they, they start shucking everything back off of it. But, I mean, cons- to see young teenagers try that, you know, it, it was pretty neat. All right, we got Paul, or pardon me, it's Bruce, Bruce in Greenbrier. Hey, Bruce, how you doing, my man? What you got for uh, Joe and Doc? Man, good afternoon. Thanks for taking my call. I've sure. got a couple questions if you guys have a minute. Go ahead. First-time diesel owner. Okay. Um, bought a 40-foot fifth wheel. Um, I went and bought a 16 Duramax with 70,000 miles on it. Yes, sir. Uh, four-wheel drive. My questions are, when do I need to use fuel anti-gel? When do I need to plug the truck in? The camper squats the truck fairly decent, not too bad under level. Mm-hmm. What are you guys' thoughts on airbags? And when do I know when it's in regen mode? Uh, you won't have no problem knowing when it's in regen mode. It'll pop up on the dash and tell you you got 150 miles, you know, unless it cleans itself. The far as that i mean a 16 they've they've got quite a bit of the books worked out on a 16 for as a genin problem now if it was a 15 or 14 or 13 or 12 or 11 yeah they had a lot of trouble with that but let me tell you one thing on that 16 make sure when you service it you put a good fuel filter on it don't skimp yes sir because i promise you at about 130,000 miles if you skimp on it it, it will bite you, and you're looking at about ten grand to fix it. Uh, I've heard that. What fuel filter do you recommend? I I don't put nothing but AC Delco on the TP three eighteen is what I put on them. That's all I put on TP three eighteen. Okay, I'm writing this down. I'm actually paying attention. But uh, far as the 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 airbag deal, uh, Farstone makes a bag, and um, 
There's another brand that I like. Uh, I've put I have put the Far Stones on them too, and I have put I can't remember the number of it, the name of the company. Airlift. Airlift. There you go. Uh, they make a great kit. It comes with a little compressor and air, and air tank and everything. And if you're going to buy it, that's the only way to go. So you can change it in the dash when you're going down the road. You know, if if you need to raise it a little bit or lower it a little bit to help the ride. Because uh, if you don't, you got to get out and take an air gauge and let it out, or take an air hose and air it up from the back. But and it's not right. not a whole lot more expensive than buying the whole kit than it is buying just the bags and the and the airline. But but far as uh, helping to ride, yeah, it will help to ride with them. Is it a? You say it's a fifth wheel? Yes, sir. Yeah, it's. Uh, I'd, I'd go with the air ride. It's just so much better, you know, stuff. But well, I have put the Farstone on too, and they work good. Think about adjusting it going down the road, depending on what kind of road you're on and, yeah. and conditions and everything. It, it, it's really convenient, and you don't have to do nothing except just push a button up or down. Yeah. And it'll tell you when it's level. Yeah, yeah, it'll come up and tell you and everything. And you know, in the, on a six six Duramax, the biggest thing is keep the fuel clean. Buy your fuel from someone like a truck stop or some place that you see that's that's changing the fuel over regular. You know they're getting they getting diesel fuel in on you know on a regular every two, every couple of three days. Uh, that's the life of that motor is keeping the fuel clean. And your uh, dev fluid, you need uh, to buy it from them folks too. You yep. don't need to buy it off shelf anywhere, do you, Doug? No. Nope. Do you get it from a truck stop? Yeah. Yeah. It, the dev fluid only has a ninety over. day shelf life on it. And there okay. ain't no date on the box. Nope. Okay. But All if, right. if so, you'll uh, take tender loving care, it'll run floor. forever. What now? When do I need to use the uh, the winterized anti-fuel gel, and when do I need to actually plug my truck in? This man around here, if it gets down around 10 or 15 degrees, I'd plug it in. Until it got that okay. low, and, and anti-fuel, if you're going to put anything in it, buy your octane booster and put in it. Instead of that anti-gel, they, they got some stuff called octane boosters made by Standardine. And uh, that's what I tell my people to put in. It's also got a little bit of lubricant in it and everything, but that's what I tell my people to put in it. And you can, it comes in a ball and it'll treat 125 gallons. Okay. Well, cool. And you'll be uh, well pleased with it that way. Those are my questions. Um, as I own this thing, I may call back with more. That's all fine. Right, that's fine. Or call we're, me at we'll the shop, here. either one, we'll and I'll be, be here of you. Every Wednesday at 4 o'clock, all right? I listen to you guys every week. Thank, Thank you. Much. Thank you, Bruce. Appreciate you, Bruce. Thank, Thank, Thank you very much. Bye. All right. We need to get a break in. we got a, a last break. Let me remind everybody about Bumper to Bumper. They make this show possible. Let me turn my attention to uh, Joe and to to Duck. You went to Vegas? Yes, we did. Buck, bumper to Bumper, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, I'd like to tell uh, everybody out there that uh, they put on a heck of a show, and they did, they did us right, and they took care of us. And that's a little payback for good customers. And, uh, you know, the products they sell are fantastic. And then to get to go to Vegas at, uh, to their convention is awesome. You know, see Apex, SEMA, timed it out perfect. Uh, I think the rumor was in three years we'll be in Washington, D.C., Dave. Wow. For the right to repair. We're going up there to talk to the politicians about yeah, you need to do that. <laughs> the consumer's right to repair their own vehicle and have the information and the data that the manufacturer. If you go into Capitol, keep your hand over your wallet. I thought you meant in my pocket. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just telling you, all right? All right, let's, here's the important thing about their trip to, to Bumper to Bumper took them out to Vegas. They want to have the best technicians they can have in the Bumper to Bumper Certified Service Centers. 
That's it. What it all comes down to. Yeah, there was Jerry a, and all those guys. They they all play an integral part of that. Absolutely, and those and they did a fantastic job. And uh, and this is the second one I've been to in three years, and it's been great. So all right, quick break. Back to finish it up on this Wednesday with uh, Joe and Duck. All right, we got four minutes left. Anything you guys need to tell the listeners about that's that's coming up that they should be watching out for? Well, I'm going to say that uh, we've seen several autonomous vehicles there, and, and they're coming. And, uh, you know, uh, you put them in a highly, highly populated place like Las Vegas, and, you know, you're going to have accidents with any car. I don't care whether it's an autonomous vehicle or a human-driven vehicle. Yes. If you walk out in front of it and don't give it time to stop, it's going to get it, you're going to get hit. That's all. Yeah. Regardless Absolutely. whether somebody pushing the brake or the computer pushing the now, brake, there's one thing that me and Duck noticed <laughs> while we were walking the strip is about every six to eight foot, there's a 14 inch round concrete pillar sticking up out of the ground between the road and the sidewalk, and it's colored with some like aluminum, black aluminum. With ah, uh, that's for the car to know where it's at. Well, well, it's there to keep the cars from hitting coming the pedestrian. up on the yeah, pedestrian. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They got no exactly. use, so it doesn't well, end up driving you know, up on the sidewalk. Well, our terrorists well, coming terrorists. through. You know, yeah. he ain't that's gonna, what we come up with. Because I mean, there was times. You know, it was what sixty or seventy foot wide sidewalk, Joe. Most places. Yeah. And it was. I mean, you was shoulder to shoulder walking down through there, and you just think somebody come plowing down through there with a truck. Yeah. Well, even a car that had a hit another vehicle and lost control or somebody come had a medical it. problem or something, you know. And, uh, or, you know, just anything like that. If it jumped the curb there, it ain't going about two foot and stopping. Yeah, okay. we got two minutes. <coughs> Friday night going into Saturday morning. 26 degrees. What's that tell us? It's time to check in. For there you go. Check in, yeah. freeze. Make You've sure you got waiting. your new windshield washer fluid in. You've been waiting. 26 degrees Saturday morning. Well, somewhere they're talking about. 33 degrees Sunday morning. Northwest Arkansas, they're talking about I may get some snow flurries. Well, I'm just saying, it's yeah. going to be colder up north. 26 Friday night into Saturday, 33 Saturday night to Sunday, 38 degrees Sunday night going into Monday, 27 degrees and rain. That makes me worry. Uh, mm-hmm. Monday night into Tuesday. Yes, All it right. does. We're yeah. out of time. Said, Sorry, I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> I just thought I was out of time. We got, we still got about a minute and a half. Oh, here. you got a minute and twenty seconds. Okay, but but Dave, if you ever go to the same, you ever been to the SEMA show? No, they have got some wild. They it was when I think SEMA show, I think women's costumes. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying when you talk Vegas, I'm I have some saying. of them there too. <laughs> but but you'd be amazed at, at the different vehicles people had made and and they was trucks there that you needed ladders to get up into the seat with pickups oh yeah you can walk underneath them yeah oh you're kidding me. you yeah, can walk up and look trucks, up a, yeah. miniature monster truck no that's all i want coming down the highway is a miniature monster truck yeah. but they had some no thank you they had neat looking automobiles they had neat looking pickups they had pickups they'd open the door and get out and they'd go and lower it about a half inch off of the concrete okay what's the coolest sports car you saw you see any cool sports cars uh, they're on the strip Lamborghini. Yeah, they're all dri- driving. Yeah, they're riding up down the strip. I'm wrong with you. We was going somewhere. <laughs> yeah, rent those in they, the order. Yeah, they was true. a guy had a two seater Jaguar 
that 10 was seconds a cool looking little car really yeah it was it was neat looking did you talk to your wife about getting it no okay i was hoping we'd see it next week no <laughs> thank a you break. dave joe and doc will be back next wednesday here on the dave ellswick show coming up carol cruz all right back with you dave ellswick show final hour coming up here on uh 1011 FM, The Answer. Good to have you along for the ride. Hope you've been enjoying the coverage that we did uh, last night uh, dealing with the election and and doing a kind of very brief post-mortem because there wasn't a whole lot to post-mortem over. Uh, not much change as far as I'm concerned in the, in the House other than uh, the chairmanships will, will change. And let me just make a prediction for you. If they change those chairmanships in the beginning of the year, which that's when it happened, so we're in a lame duck session now of uh, of Congress, so things may get done and get done quickly. But if they bring in people and put them in in charge, and all of it, all of it that they do is, let should we impeach the president? Let's go after him for this. Let's go after him for that. It will be like what happened to the Republican Party when they impeached Bill Clinton. Yeah. And went after him. And with the economy that's chugging and along even pretty good, yeah. Yeah, it will be a blood, a blue bloodbath yeah. that has never been seen. Like It's we'll true. Yeah. I'm just saying, if they overreach, that's what's going to happen. And they will. All right, yeah. They already good, are. One good thing about the Democrats, you can predict exactly what they're yeah, going to I mean, do. Yeah, they, they already are. All right. We've got a special guest with us. You've heard her a couple of times here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I told you that I, if I lived in uh, Faulkner County, I would have voted for her, and I would have. And uh, she won last night. And Carol Cruz is here. She, she is the new uh the, the new prosecutor over there, and, and Carol, congratulations. I told you you were going to win. Thank you, Dave. You did. Thank you. I'm very glad your prediction came true last night. Very grateful for everyone who voted for me in the 20th Judicial District. Okay, so now you, you've been like a deputy, right? You've been the person that's yes. been, been serving over there, but now you're going to be the person that makes the calls over there. So that will happen. Uh, when are you sworn in as the new prosecutor? In January? And if yes, okay. New Year. And when when will that be? What day? Do you know? Yeah, first of the year, January 1st. Okay, January 1st. So with that in mind, we talked about, you know, your, your qualifications and the things that you have done. Uh, let's talk about taking those qualifications now and what will you do? What what are some things that you're already? I mean, I'm sure you've been thinking about this because you ran for the office. What what are some things you want to get done when you take over now as prosecutor? Well, first and foremost, I want to aggressively prosecute violent crime in Faulkner, Van Buren, and Searcy counties. Uh, anyone who comes into this district and commits a violent crime or a crime against a child uh, needs to be concerned about. Uh, the amount of time he may get in the Arkansas Department of Correction. And so I believe the prosecutor's uh, first job is to be a voice for the victims in court. Uh, and so I've, I think I have a record of that as the chief deputy. And uh, that's a record I ran on and a record that the, the voters agreed with. And so first and foremost, we're going to continue to be uh, the voice of the victims in court and um, to seek justice uh, for people who can't stand up for themselves. 
So you are, now correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe you are the first female prosecutor over there in the, the Faulkner County area. Is that true? That is true. Oh, oh congratulations. How big was your win? I won by 10 points. Wow. I, I carried all three counties. Congratulations. Uh, and Thirsty County. Thank you. Thank excellent. You. Excellent. I love it. So family name only carries people so far. Who, who was well, I the, had to say that. I'm sorry. Carol didn't say that. I said that. Uh, who, who was it that she ran against? Was it an incumbent or? No. No. Okay. No. Somebody gotcha. without, with but, very few licks of experience. Okay. Gotcha. But we're riding on the coattails. Well, I'm very of proud for you, right? Yeah, I'm very <laughs> proud for you. That's 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 awesome. Well, so, thank you. I I had a tremendous group of volunteers and supporters. Um, there are numerous people who walked neighborhoods with me over the course of last year, knocked on doors, uh, handed out materials, uh, went with me to events, watched my son, so my husband and I could campaign. Uh, I have a tremendous group of supporters and volunteers, and uh, I'll tell you, Dave, I have the best staff in Arkansas working at the prosecutor's office, uh, from the attorneys to our victim services coordinators uh, to our trial assistants. Uh, they get up every day and work hard to make sure that justice is done uh, for the victims in this county. And I think the, the vote last night uh, was loud and clear that people of this community like what we're doing right now and want uh, to continue with that as, as being the, the elected prosecutor. And I'm just very humbled and very grateful for everyone who supported me. All right. So, yeah, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna call you hardcore because you are, and that's what I liked about Ooh, I like you. That. You're, you're gonna she? you're gonna oh yeah oh yeah yeah. So I, I'm I just got to ask you: Are are people trying to get you to settle for some kind of a deal? Are those days done? Uh, you're talking about plea deals. In yeah, court? yeah. Well, I mean, Dave, there's a time and a place for plea deals, and most cases resolve themselves that way. Um, it would be absolute gridlock in the court system to try every single case. Um, but at the same time, uh, my experience and my record is that I'm willing to go to trial when it's the right thing to do. There's several factors you have to weigh in making that determination. One of the biggest ones is what does the victim or the victim's family uh, want to happen in the case? Uh, I tried a case this summer, um, State of Arkansas versus Scotty Ray Gardner. Mm-hmm. I think you and I talked about it before, but yep. it was the first death penalty verdict in this district since 1982. Dang. And not only was uh, he gu- very guilty with a terrible criminal history, but one one of the biggest things I took into account in making the decision to go forward seeking the death penalty was that was what the family wanted. Uh, and so, again, the, through the prosecutor's office, really the only way that the victims have a voice in court. Uh, and so one of the biggest factors to consider is what does the victim want and um, really want any victims in this district to feel like they can come to us. Uh, and not that we necessarily always do what they want or a rubber stamp for their wishes, but certainly they have a seat at the table. Um, and when it's a violent crime again or a crime against a child, uh, they know that we're going to stand up and fight as hard as we can uh, and present those cases to juries and let a jury of their peers make a determination of what the appropriate sentence is. Now, you were telling a story uh, uh, that you were well aware of. It had happened to you in court that a lot of these criminals, they know that they can make a plea deal a lot of times with prosecutors, and they'll actually look at you and say, 
hey, uh, you know, will you do this? Will you do that? They've been whispering to their uh, legal representation or whatever, and then they, they even talk to you guys in court. You know, are you trying to send a message that those kind of days just don't don't exist anymore over in your area of jurisdiction? Sure. There's a time and a place for a second chance when you have a nonviolent offender who, um, who, who for whatever reason, has demonstrated that he or she really wants to, uh, say, work on their addiction, if that's the, the uh, underlying issue, uh, or wants to go into one of our specialty courts. I'm a big fan of drug court in Faulkner County. We have a fantastic drug court. Uh, so there is a time and a place for that. Uh, but certainly on violent crimes, on repeat offenders, on people who prey on children. Uh, I'll tell you what, criminals know which prosecutors are tough and which ones are willing to go to trial. And their attorneys know that, too. Um, after the, the trial we had this summer where the jury sentenced uh, the defendant to death row, that got a conversation started in the jail. World, world travels very quickly um, that we were... Uh, that we were tough and that we went to court and we let the jury make that decision. Uh, and and that gets around. And so as selected prosecutor, I want people who would consider committing a violent crime in this county uh, to know that there's a tough prosecutor uh, sitting in the big chair and that we are willing to do the extra work and to fight the good fight. Um, and at the end of the day, I'm going to do what I need to do to get uh, violent offenders uh, off the streets of Faulkner County. Well, since you're a deputy right now and, and Highland has been gone for a while, have have you been in the big office sitting there for a while? No, there was a an interim um, appointed prosecuting attorney, Luke Ferguson, uh, who's done a fantastic job keeping the office together and uh, making sure everything, uh, all the, the T's get crossed and the I's get dotted. And so uh, if you get the appointment, you can't run for the seat. And so um, Luke came in and has done a good job uh, filling out while I ran. Um, and so now I'm looking forward to taking that over in January. All right. So what's the first thing you hang up on the wall of your new office? Oh, <laughs> um, a, a picture of my little boy. There oh, you go. Yes, That's of great. Course. Absolutely fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just wanted yeah. to have you on for a few moments, uh, Carol, because you've done uh, a great job in the capacity you've been over there in the Faulkner County area. Now you can do an even bigger, better job, and we're, we're happy to see that you're sitting over there in that position. Uh, yeah. Well, thank you, Dave. Again, I just want to anyone listening who voted for me and supported me, I'm just uh, so grateful for for their support, so humbled that the people of this district would trust me with such an important job, important responsibility, and it will really just be my honor to continue to serve this community uh, now in this new role. So I'm going to, I took my little boy to the zoo today, took the day off, and I'm going to be back in the office tomorrow and, and hit the ground running. That's All right. Awesome. Carol Cruz, new prosecutors in town, criminals. Pay attention. <laughs> That's right. All right, Carol, we appreciate you. Thanks so much. Thank you, Dave. Mm, bye-bye now. Mara Carol Cruz, congratulations uh, to her big win. First female prosecutor over in Faulkner County. Great story about her. She's a tough one. Yeah, I, and that's you know, what you want. I used to, that was my original plan back when I graduated college was to go to law school and I wanted to be a prosecutor. And she sounds exactly like the type I would be, which is hardcore but compassionate. For second chances for the nonviolent, you mm-hmm. know, the drug, she talked about the drug court and all yeah. that, and um, giving second chances at the same time, nobody's going to push okay, her so around. I'm looking at you, it's not like, 
you know, you're 65 years old like I am. So why, oh, no, what, yeah, what's yeah, keeping you from going to law school? I don't again? know. Because I'm 44. I yeah, don't know. And I'm starting my no life over. And I don't I just, I don't know. You'd be great. You'd be a good prosecutor. Still trying to figure out what I'm doing with myself, Dave. Up there in, Mount, in Mountain View, <laughs> that area, you'd be a great prosecutor. Yeah, I mean, I, that's, you know, I, that was my original Stop plan. And then ran for Senate for Arkansas one day. It was my second there plan. That's, is. you know. Well, you so. know, John. Uh, that's been my John biggest Bozeman passion. Probably. Um, maybe. This will be his last go around, and that's always been my biggest dream to run for Senate for Arkansas. I would love to, but I mean, I had to get support, money, stuff like that. You know, I'm kind of a nobody. Mother's milk of politics, (laughs) money. All right, we'll come back. We got more to talk about here on the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about my friends over at Applied Research. They have plenty of clinical research studies still going on, which explore the safety and effectiveness of investigational drugs, for instance, with diabetes. Uh, To qualify, participants have to be a certain age. Uh, They have to be diagnosed type 1 or type 2 diabetes. Here's what you need to do. If you want to be part of one of these studies, and there is compensation for them, and uh, in many cases it's a nice little stipend, uh, go to arcarkansas.com, arcarkansas.com. You get to their website and uh, pull down menus on these different uh, uh, investigations that they're doing. You can see what you have to do to be able to qualify. Fill it out. Wait for a call. See if they'll give you a call and qualify you for the study. Uh, you may end up you know, taking the drug. You may take the placebo. You never know. Now, these drugs that you're taking, by the way, it's their last go-around to make sure that they're ready to go on the market because they do exactly what they're supposed to do. Uh, do. Yeah, it's not like you're the first one to swallow one of these drugs. That's not the way this works. This is the last stage of FDA approval. So give, give them a check. Go to arcarkansas.com or call them 501-954-7822. Hey, tomorrow um, I'm going to be coming in a little bit late to work because, first of all, i got to go by Enterprise and get a rental car. And they told me they'll be ready at 8 o'clock for me to show up. And then I'll drive from there, and uh, Linda will follow me in the uh, SUV or vice versa. And we will go over to uh, Sonny's Salvage. And I'll drop my car over there. And tomorrow uh, they're going to put that transmission in. You've heard me talking about this now for a couple of months. And we've worked this all out, Sonny and I have, and um, or RD and I have worked it out and uh, i know the price he got the the transmission and that was not easy to find because the year that i bought at gmc acadia was the year that gmc it was first year of the acadia and they had all kinds of transmission problems and i had transmission problems well now just because of the amount of time that i've had this transmission is it's starting to show some some real wear and tear. So I'm getting a three-year warranty, parts and labor, unlimited mileage warranty on one of his, uh, uh, you know, transmissions from a well-maintained total loss vehicle put in my car. And I won't have to worry about it for three years because if anything goes wrong, they're going to fix it. And uh, I'm going to be going. Now, here's what I didn't know, which really got me excited. I'm dropping the car off tomorrow. He said, if the re- uh, flashing, which is getting it com- the computer 
you know, hooked up with the rest of the computers in the car, uh, goes smoothly. I could probably have my car back tomorrow afternoon. Oh, wow. uh, that That's really good because it's going to save me some money on rental. If not, the latest will be Friday afternoon. I'm all about that. Yeah. I am all about that. And it can happen for you, too. All you got to do is call Sonny's Auto Salvage. Yeah, they put it in over there as well. They give you the warranty. They take good care of you. They'll find the part. If 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 uh, Artie doesn't have it at his uh, salvage yard, he's hooked up to thousands of other ones. He'll find it in another place, and it'll be shipped in uh, to be taken care of for you. And now, uh, if you don't want Sundays to put it in, well, go see Joe and have him do it, or have Gary over mid you know mid state or or whatever. Uh, RD is all about that as well. Just give him a call. Talk to him. 982-7451. 982-7451. All right. We've got about a minute or two here before we go to the news, uh, Shelley. So let me. Nancy Pelosi won't have uh-huh. much time to relish her party's takeover of the House, though she played a key role in helping Democrats regain the majority for the first time since 2011. Really, the key role was played by uh, retirements on the Republican side. That's the key role. Because, Nancy, if that many people hadn't have uh, retired, you would not have control of the House right now because you're the perfect face for attack ads. I'm just telling Mm -hmm. you. Uh, Pelosi faces a new battle, regaining the Speaker's gavel amid grumbling from a growing (laughs) minority of rank-and-file Democrats about the need for new leadership. If elected as Speaker, Pelosi becomes the highest-ranking Democratic official in the country and the face of the party until 2020's presidential nominee emerges. But the job, which will largely be decided by November 28th, by an internal party vote, isn't in the bag yet. A final House vote won't be held until January uh, the 3rd. Several Democrats, and listen and listen to this, and we're going to come back and, and we're going to talk about this, including some of the incoming lawmakers, publicly distanced themselves during the midterm campaign from Pelosi because she's bad, you know, mojo. You know, she's just bad mojo. She's unpopular with conservatives, no favorite of progressive liberals. We'll talk about all this when we come back. What does it mean? They're already fighting, Dave. They just won. It's good stuff. I got to love it. Got to love it. Jim Jordan on the House side in the Republicans is fighting to be the minority leader. So we'll see if that happens. All right. News and then more here on the Dave Ellswick Show on FM 101.1. The answer. Well, that was an interesting little segment we just watched about all of the people that are going to be running for the, de- Already, the Democratic for the Democrat Party. Already, for the nomination for president. They had 17 is what they showed, and they didn't show so everybody. So it's a rerun of this past presidential election it's only on the Democrat side. It's I mean, that's worse. what I was just saying. I said it's going to be a, a crazy show again where there's 16 of them lined up. <laughs> here's, here's the key, Russ. I, and I just predicted something to to uh, to Shelley, and I'll make it known to everybody. Of all of those people running, whoever runs the most to the left, yeah. and looks like they're generating energy, all the rest of them are going to run that way too. Get ready for yeah. th- to see the biggest. It's going to be bigger push. 
going to be the star. He's going to be the star. He's going to be their nominate. Yeah, nominee. Got, Watch and see. I mean, Bloomberg, he's got as Man, much money as God, he and he wants that. to run. He didn't have that charisma, that oh, Obama yeah. factor that, that Booker has. With his anti-gun leanings, I mean, as I mean, he's really an anti-gun. Yeah. He, yeah. He's out of it as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, here's going back to Pelosi. There's already moves to topple Pelosi uh, because those are nothing new. Uh, but they rose dramatically in recent years, especially as Democrats' opportunity to take the House emerged. Critics have long pushed for new leadership, but Pelosi's effectiveness and fundraising prowess have typically allowed her to beat back challengers. All right. What have I always said? Money is a mother's milk. Of course. Yes. If you got money. That you can sprinkle around with the other House members and help them get elected. You know what's so strange They're about her, though? To you. If you think about it, I mean, the Democrats really don't even like her either. So, I mean, what? How is she even in existence in politics anymore? Like, and has the power she has? Like, everybody can't stand Pelosi. I don't even know if any Democrats care for effectiveness and fundraising or just cunning and very very sinister and very strategic and yeah yeah yeah. let's read this during the campaign pelosi insisted that democratic candidates in competitive house districts were free to distance themselves from her if needed winning that seat was more important and it was the top priority now the question is whether Pelosi will have enough votes to be elected speaker without those Democratic rebels. Wait a second. She didn't tell them <laughs> that you get elected, you shouldn't be voting for me for Speaker of the House. Yeah. She told them, distance yourself for, from me if that helps you win the seat. Mm-hmm. But then come back. But what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> she gave them money and stuff yeah. in the background. She's going to expect them to vote for Of course, for her. yeah. She's going to call in. You win and chips. you come back to me. Yeah. You put me up as speaker. She said that, uh, I see myself as a transitional figure. I have things to do, books to write, places to go, grandchildren, first and foremost, to love. She said that? Yeah. To love who? Herself? Yeah. More? The people that won our majority makers campaigned on chair on change. Uh, so it's going to be interesting. Just saying, we want change. Well, if you put Pelosi up there, you can get anything but change. Things are going to run the way they always did. She'll dis- determine what bills get heard, what bills <laughs> don't, what committees bills go to, where they go to die. Yeah. That's all going to happen. She'll be the one that calls it. I predict she will be Speaker of the House. Here's what else I'll tell you, and it's what I I warned you about, about Clark Tucker, because he said, I will not vote for Nancy Pelosi. Well, that's what he said. Mm -hmm. When push came to shove and she came and said, you know what, Clark, if if he had gotten elected, Mm -hmm. you vote for me and I'll make sure. What's that that bill that you really, really like? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll make sure that it gets to this committee. It's really favorable, and to get through, it'll get to the mm-hmm. floor of the house. Now all bets are off. Then we'll yeah. push it, but we'll see how the vote goes. That's how it's done. Mm-hmm. Have you watched House of Cards? No, I haven't. Uh, well, why it, do I want to watch something that's it, fake that, of what I know? Well, already? no, I know, but I mean, it's very like 
uh, that kind of thing where it's very cunning and it's favors and you you do stuff and they think you're just being nice and then next thing you know you're indebted to them and they have something on you and it's real i mean that's how this stuff goes on that's how she still exists okay now here's the final paragraph i want to read Mm -hmm. and (laughs) anti-pelosi sentiment among democrats will soften after the party's house victory quote obviously you don't fire the coach after you win the world series (laughs) there you go i'm just telling you i hardly think them winning the house last night was the world series but they say they've been on such a they've been on such a losing streak they have yeah anything that they that went their way they're they're all about it's a big deal yes it is a big deal and i'm just telling i believe that 2020 is just going to be a I have been saying it for already a year. I'm going to say it again. Unless something just out of the blue happens, mm-hmm. Trump wins like Reagan did for his second yeah, term. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and he'll I care. Can't He's going to have long coattails this time. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Will be, if the economy keeps going the way it is, I'm telling you, he'll have long yeah. coattails. And get except, that wall built. Except with millennials, because millennials are stupid mm-hmm. still. See, they haven't been alive long enough to know how stupid they really are. It's exactly what Churchill said: mm-hmm. if you're, if you, if you don't have, uh, if you're a liberal, you know, and, and, and you know, you you need to have a heart mm-hmm. when you're young, right? Because mm-hmm. you're that's why you're a liberal. But if you're not a conservative after you turn thirty years old, you know, you don't have a brain, All right? Because exactly. you got a little life experience, you know it's possible not, to have both. Yeah, you, you know <laughs> that you you don't have they can coexist. You, know, you, you don't have um, stuff that's free because yeah. somebody's paying for it. Yeah, and when you get your job and you're really starting your career up, going good, you're going to find out you're the one paying for what's going free. Yeah, you won't like it so much. Mm-hmm. Then you're gonna start you. digging into what's going on here. <laughs> yeah, you know, the more the more money you make, and you see the more money disappear into the black hole called uh, government. Yeah, you'll start questioning more. So much. You'll start questioning Sydney. a whole lot more. You won't be thinking about Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. You won't be. You'll be think, trying to think how in the hell do I afford any kind of insurance? Because mm-hmm. I can't afford this free government. Yeah. In, uh, insurance. Yeah. You know, can't do that. And you know, it's a weird, you know, looking at how the Democrat, I mean, this is really, people should take a step back and really grasp what's going on. I mean, we, we've kind of just been not eased into it, but we, you know, we've been living this Trump era for a few years now. And if you look back, Dave, I mean, this is like the first election that literally it, either party, but the Democrats in particular, didn't have anything to run on. I mean, there was no issue. I mean, the economy, that, that, I mean, that's like a dirty word to them. They will not even speak of it, of course, because it's doing great, you know. And they didn't really talk about healthcare much. I mean, it, it's more abolish ICE, impeach Trump. Um, you know, the police are bad. Uh, you know, Healthcare for all or Medicare for all, single payer, you know, all that. I mean, it's 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 all very, very beyond fringe left wing socialist communist. Right? And they're self-proclaimed. These yep. candidates are. Yep. And it's nothing about a plan 
to do anything to Medicare, make America. Medicare, Medicare for all, what did Cortez say yesterday? Well, how are you going to pay for it? Oh, we'll just pay for it. Yeah. There's no longer a debate. She's you know, going to the crap whole, the money right there in front yeah. of us. You no longer have a Republican Democrat who want the same things. They just disagree on how to get there. We're not in that 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 stage and level of uh, that's been in existence forever. That's like out the door, out the window. I mean, the Republicans have it, but the Democrats don't. It's just they and they've always been anti anti Republican and and all that. But at least. Some would try to put forth some kind of good legislation here and there. Or they, they, their heart was in the right place. But these people are just, they want to destroy our country, period. Seems like to me. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, Newt Gingrich today said that uh, the one big thing the liberal media never told you about Trump in the midterms. Let's find out what it is when we come back. Here on the Dave Ellswick Show, don't forget about Aero Plumbing. Aero Plumbing are plumbers that I use. I absolutely use those folks, and uh, they are the the people to use as far as I'm concerned when it comes to uh, plumbers. They care, They guarantee, for instance, that their expert they send out to your house will clean up after himself, clean up his work area, will leave your home as clean or better than when he got there, or they'll send a professional to clean your entire home, not just the area he was working in, but your entire house. And they got the 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you're not 100% satisfied with the service they've provided, they're going to refund all your money. I had a, a time that Arrow came out and did something, and I uh, I complained about it. I didn't think that it was done exactly right. Earl got involved with it. He said, yeah, that there's some problems there. Uh, not only did they uh, take care of the money aspect of it, I ended up paying uh, money again to get something else uh, fixed uh, that they were doing they did a great job and uh, they fixed what they were supposed to fix and then they fixed what i wanted them to fix extra to that that's arrow plumbing find out about them aeroplumbing.net or google arrow plumbing all right we've got about 10 minutes left here uh and let me tell you real quickly about horton's orthotics and prosthetics they have been doing a lot of rebuilding over on their 12th Street location, getting it up to being the, the state-of-the-art type place you want to go to uh, to get the kind of care you need if you need an orthotic or prosthetic. And here's where they're beginning to really uh, stretch for you. Ladies, if you just had uh, the Susan Coleman march over the weekend, and uh, breast cancer is a terrible disease, and uh if you get, uh, of course, diagnosed with it, there's the possibility of having to have a breast or breasts uh, removed. And the folks over at Hortons are aware of that. They've got a special group of women that work specifically with you in their new area just for women who have lost their breasts that has the privacy and the comfort you need while you're fitted for a prosthetic. And, and, and let's be honest. Ladies, you don't like some, you know, kind of doctor's room to sit in, you know, the table with the the paper on it and all of that. You'd much rather have kind of a nice laid back kind of atmosphere where they've got that for you at Horton's and they'll take really, really great care of you. That's because Horton's prides itself on their patient relationships. They pride themselves on providing a lifetime of support. 
Remember, six locations with the new updated facility, Little Rock, North Little Rock, Bryant, Conway, Fort Smith, and Searcy. All right, so I promised you, and I, I promised, uh, of course, uh, Shelley here, that I would read to you about what uh, New Gingrich had to say about the election. He says, the big story coming out of Tuesday's midterm elections is it that there was a, a red wave, because there wasn't. He said if there had been, Republicans would have kept majority control of the U.S. House and had even more pickups in the Senate. There was no blue wave. Boy, is that an understatement. Uh, if there had been, Democrats would have gained control of the Senate. What there was is that the media underreported the green wave. And the green wave is how the left tried to pour so much money into the House races that they drowned Republican candidates in it. And there was a usual anti-Republican liberal media wave which tried to prop up Democrats, i.e. McCaskill, which she went down in flames. I'm so happy about that. Uh, This was a fascinatingly complex election in which unique Republican personalities won re-election as governors. They won in New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, and Maryland, three clearly blue states, one purple state. The biggest change in this election was the sheer volume of money generated by left-wing billionaires and activist groups who hate President Trump. In congressional race after congressional race, Republicans suddenly found millions of dollars poured in against them on a scale that resembled Senate races. House Republicans had hurt themselves, and I agree with this, because believe it or not, you know, the Speaker of the House can talk to uh, House members, uh, incumbents that are looking to retire and say, we'd rather you didn't retire. Sure, right yeah. All right, but they didn't do that. Of course, there's a good question if Ryan did that because he wanted to punish Trump. Mm-hmm. We could talk about that in the future. Anyway, uh, the number of incumbent retirees was the largest class of retirees since 1930 when the Brookings Institution started tracking congressional retirements. Breaking an 88-year record for retirees is a tough way to start off an off-year election for the incumbent president's party. See, that's the people that you know are not on Trump's side. Mm -hmm. Very very thing. Uh, Despite this institutional disadvantage, President Trump's House losses were far less than either the 54 seats that Clinton lost in 94 or the 63 seats Obama lost in 2010. Measured against the Clinton and Obama standard, you'd have to give President Trump an A-plus for keeping Republican House losses to a minimum and setting the stage for a Republican majority comeback in the 2020 presidential election. In the Senate, the president, working with Majority Leader McConnell, put together a great focus campaign that's reversed historic norms and gained seats. In fact, it appears that enough Republicans will have won Senate seats that it will be far more difficult for Democrats to have a shot at winning a Senate majority in 2020 than anyone would have ever expected. Mm -hmm. The best example of the Green Wave's failure was uh, Representative O'Rourke of Texas, He became the darling of the media, the left's political rock star to battle Republican Senator Ted Cruz, who the media despises. O'Rourke raised more. Listen to how much he raised. Did you know how much money he raised? I knew this. Uh, O'Rourke asking to make me sick. Seventy 
million dollars. That's a record for a U.S. Senate race. Seventy million. million dollars. Yeah, we used for to, a nobody yeah, to come we, out of nowhere yeah. and run against Ted Cruz, who's been an incumbent and very loved in Texas. Like, oh my God! And it, 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 that amount is what uh, and what he says here is true. We used to say that about presidential campaigns. All right, after all the me- liberal media hype and the sheer volume of money from the green wave, O'Rourke lost. Once again, the voters of Texas disappointed the liberal media by refusing to elect their darling. Republicans gained Senate seats to an unprecedented degree because President Trump personally crisscrossed the country holding massive rallies which dwarfed the size of former President Obama's rallies. Mm -hmm. This was President Trump's victory, and he and Senator McConnell will use it well to continue getting judges and other nominees confirmed by the Senate to block the uh, left-wing actions by the Democrats and to set the stage for key legislative achievements the American people want, probably starting with infrastructure investments and reforms. The president defeated both the money wave and the liberal media and had a very successful midterm election for a first-term president. See, I'm making, I'm making you feel so much better oh my today. God. Well, Rush started it this morning. Well, Trump, because I started hearing his press conference, I was like, okay, Trump's coming out swinging. <laughs> but yeah. at the same time, he's like, congratulations, Pelosi. And, you know, playing his little bit. I mean, what what can they do with that? He said nothing bad. Nope. In fact, he praised the Democrats and congratulated them. So what are they going to do with that? You know, uh, and then uh, Rush made me feel a little better. And then. You made me feel a lot better, and then now Newt has just really like, yes, I'm it's like good. Like a cherry on top of the Sunday yeah. that we've offered. But you know, you today. we had to process it, yep. and I had to eat the comfort food at eleven o'clock last night. <laughs> okay, tell everybody what your comfort food was. It was French fries with ranch dressing <laughs> from the restaurant, the hotel at eleven o'clock last 11 night. Eleven o'clock night. I was sitting on the bed eating it, and Amy's it? little girl kept sna- snagging them. She was like. These oh, these are, are so good. Yeah. So you had you you had it delivered to your room? No, no, I picked it up. Oh, you went I, on my way back in. I went I went and ordered it, went and smoked a cigarette, and then went back and got it. There you <laughs> go. Right. And it was so good, Dave. Oh, I mean, it really, you know. And me and Amy, we did for probably over an hour and a half till we finally just gave up. And I think she started snoring, and I think I fell asleep. But Here's the key. we just commiserate. We're like, what's going to happen? I mean, like the sky's going to fall. Like, oh my god! I it knew is, that it was as bad as everybody was going to say it was going to be when i saw they they had like a control of three additional seats over the over the republicans it's going to be a very interesting coming up very interesting <laughs> um uh, lame duck session going up until january before the, all those new democrats get in and infrastructure democrats better be willing to do something because the american people want it yeah so you know, two. You don't have a long time. Yeah. You can spend two years in D.C. and go home. Yeah, and here's the thing: they weren't in power as they were getting away with all this uh, attack and Trump. Now that they, they're going to have to to actually have come to up own with it. So, yeah, and come up with something for their constituents that 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 makes it at least look like they're trying to do some good work for the people versus just destroy America. All right, just get ready. To work hard over the next two years. It never stops. I'm Dave Ellswick. See you tomorrow at 2. The uh, female power panel is going to be in J.R. Davis from the governor's office. Starts us off at 
2 o'clock. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.